Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and playing and priorities been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great size. It's the Net Live right now. for the applause because I don't think anybody can hear me. Dude. Dustin, swat the cat again. Get the cat out of here. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. 25th of February, 2013. Kevin Barnett sitting in here in the home court. We're glad you are listening and being a part of our show. Dustin Aval trying to get rid of my senile, old cat who's gone Terrible. completely mental so if you hear cat crying in the background you know why it's like a 97 year old cat complaining but kevin barnett dustin aval jeremy roche and a return performance by kelly Tennant, who does not listen to this program because i don't want to hear your voice yes yeah, so you've got to turn that around and speaking to the end are you back some sort of amateur yeah sorry for you <laughs> there you go that was a terrible intro So we, Kelly, by the way. One of our guests comes back and you just say... Well, usually he does something else, but it's inappropriate. Inappropriate. So yeah, inappropriate. <laughs> I did go for the hug earlier, tried to go all the way it, around. It, you know what? I was yeah. counting. It was a long hug. I'll tell you that much. There was like a she couple, tried to get away. A couple of extra beats, I and I was like, for sure. okay, it, still hugging. It looked like 50 Cent and Aaron Andrews yesterday yeah, at was, uh, Daytona 500. Yeah, it was a little awkward. I missed that. It was I, awesome. I just saw a little picture of it. I want to see the clip of it. He tried to give her a kiss. She was bobbing and weaving. He hit the cheek. Yeah. Oh, Apparently pretty awkward, though. And, I, you know what? We're going to start with some racing because I don't want... I'm sick of the wordsmithing that people do nowadays. You mean between racing and Supercross? No, I did not mention Supercross. <laughs> That's not a drink. But I'm... So the whole thing yesterday with Danica Patrick. You mean drivers and On the pole position, drivers and Danica. Yeah. And the insinuation that she's not a driver. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Well, that's stupid. It's just fun to say something different. Drivers and Danica. And so then there, you, there, there was something else afterwards, too, that, oh, it was an awkward moment. And it was because Daryl Waltrip or one of the other uh, guys asked Danica, did you realize how great you looked out there today? And he meant as a driver? Absolutely. And somebody else took it as And somebody else goes, oh, you're asking her because she's, she's hot. Yeah. Shut up. People are always looking for drama. That's why. Yeah. It can't like, just be what it is. Ugh. Aggravating. Yeah. Of course, then I, I misidentified a team this week in an interview that went up on the online and didn't even realize it. Like you have to identify uh, riders and their, their sponsors and their teams, right? uh, and you got to get it right. Yeah. So there's Joe Gibbs Racing, JGR, JGR Toyota Yamaha. 
That's their name. I said JGR KTM, which is a completely different manufacturer, and just rolled right through it. Video gets posted on the internet. Somebody else, somebody puts up JGR KTM, moron. I went back and listened to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, moron. What the hell was I doing? People are listening. You're Absolute brain fart. Yeah. Absolute brain fart. So it happens, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I don't know. I have no idea what you just said. Especially when you travel to the East Coast. So, whatever. We have a show planned for you here today. Casey Patterson. He's getting ready for beach season. Boom. We're not sure what season. We're going to hope he keeps us on air this time. It doesn't blow things to pieces with his boom. <laughs> that's good. That's that's Memorex. It's not live. That's Memorex. If it was live, we'd be off air already. And new Japanese head coach Gary Sato. Grow the game. How about that? I mean, they have the little graphic of him standing on top of the world. I didn't know he was going to jump around the world. Yeah. Go to the other side. Garthoff also on the collage. Got the collages. They're unbelievable. We hope you're getting a look at those on Facebook slash The Net Live because they're hilarious. Unbelievable. edition last week. It was amazing. Your abs were fantastic. Yeah, they're going to be part of my resume, I think. I'm just going to... I'm gonna, you guys are all my references, by the way, and Garthoff's collages are my new resumes. I just show up and I put down a picture and I say, look, this is what I do. You know what? That's a good idea. Get get some attention. Yeah. Your resume's got to be different. There you go. Yes, that's how you're going to set yourself apart. Right. The real should just be different flashes of your abs. <laughs> be amazing. I mean, With Kevin Barnett coming in yeah, saying my, how wonderful you look. My phone's actually going off right now for so many emails of interest. <laughs> Yogurt commercials. Ooh, look at the abs. Yeah. Wow. I've been having yogurt for breakfast, and now I'm shredded. Yeah. You do have yogurt for breakfast. I do. Ran at Charles Barkley this week. How was that? The round mound of rebound was very friendly. He was awesome. I love hearing that. Saw him at uh, the Optimist in Atlanta. So if you're near the ATL, go to the Optimist. Hot Atlanta. You're going to be prepared to drop some coin, but it was unbelievably good. Oyster bar and fish place, really, really good. Took the wife down for the race this week. Saw Brandon Rosenthal, friend of the program, friend of his. Ex-intern Alex Kelly, those that have listened to this program for a long time will remember Alex Kelly, living in Nashville now, but ex-intern on this show. You had an intern? Yeah, we had an intern for summer. Wow. What did they do? Six-foot blonde intern. (laughs) kind of interns that I like. What's the difference between being an intern and actually being someone on the show for six weeks in a row and sitting on the couch and having to deal with the cat? Well, you're still interning. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how your internship concludes. I mean, she's employed now, so things are looking up. There you go. But I saw Charles Barkley, said hi to him in the bar on my way out. He was already done with his dinner, didn't go up in the middle of his table and, hey, Charles. I hate when people do that. Can't do that. People that people. walk up to famous people or touch them. What is wrong with you? <laughs> like seriously. Is this a personal problem? No. Like I have friends that do this, and I am very sensitive. Like I would never walk up to someone I didn't know, let alone someone who's extremely famous, and be like, "Excuse me, Tom Hanks. Let me rub your shoulder and tell you how amazing you are while you're at dinner with your family." Hold on. Do you mean at all, or just while they're in the middle of a meal? No, I never would. So would you can- introduce yourself at all? No, so you, unless like, you I had a mutual friend or no. I just, I don't know. I feel like people are out to do their thing. Like, why would I bother them? I wouldn't bother Joe Blow over there. Well, no, but Joe, Joe Blow is not interesting. Yeah. Just because someone is famous, why does that make them interesting? More interesting than the normal person. Well, the, you have certain celebrities that you love, yes? But I'm not 
Uh, I mean, there's a couple. Julia out there. Roberts. Julia Roberts. Is you someone see? I adore. If, but I've been around her and I never walked up to her. Didn't really? No. Why? Because she's in her. She's doing her thing. Like, she probably gets that all day long. Why would I go up and add to? Because you're one chance. You just to say, say hi. What difference is that going to make in my life? None. Well, that's just fun. Question for you, not. But what is it else. for her? Someone bothering her that she doesn't know just because they think they know her because she's on screen. Well, okay, you can cut two ways though. You can either enjoy the interaction or you can be Randy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and Sir Charles was enjoying the interaction. He was in the bar hanging out and talking with people, just sitting there hanging out, being one of the guys. So yeah. it actually worked out perfectly for me because he walked by my table, and then we were done. We had gotten up. And he was going to come back to the bar where he was then sitting after he had his meal. He went and sat in the bar. Mm-hmm. And he was coming back. I, so I told the wife, I said, just look busy for a second here. Hang out. Just look busy <laughs> like you're looking for something in your bag. And so Sir Charles comes back through. And it's just casual. I said, Charles, you coming to the Supercross race tomorrow? He says, no, man. I got to go back home. And he just came in. And he, uh, and he, and he said, he threw his hand out. I said, hey, you know. So what's your name? I said, Kevin Barnett. Nice to meet you, Sir Charles. And then we got talking. I said, hey, I'm one of your... Uh, Broadcast compatriots, you know, we're not used compatriots, but said something about we work in the same industry now. I do volleyball and stuff, and you know, he says, "Oh man, that's great. Keep stealing that money, man. I'm keeping stealing <laughs> that money." So true. But he, I was standing there, t- and we had just started a conversation, right? So I just hit him up a couple things, and he, my wife was standing right there, and he goes, "Hey, I'm Charles." Well, and that's, I think that's different. That's too. legit. Yeah, because if he, you had said something, and then he had kind of been like, "Yeah," and then walked away. You know. Yeah, I'll let him. If he wants to cruise, yeah. I'll let him. Like Randy Johnson, I didn't need to beat him over the head with the fact he was a complete douche. But now you are. You know? Yeah. Heck yeah. He's definitely listening. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Not but like not you. Live, getting all the way out there. I but, agree. Yeah, I, Sir Charles, super cool. Just, you know, into it. Hey, what are you doing? This, yeah. that. And I, and I said, Charles, you come to the race, man. I'll hook you up. He goes, ah, I got to get back home. You know, I come in here every Wednesday or whatever, do the show and stay here for a charity thing. So, cool. Yeah, Charles Barkley needs you to hook him up. And he gave me, like, the. I know I I, I shook his hand again. He's leaving. Shook my hand. and He gave me like the the back front clap, like I do to my kids. Like you loved it. Boom, boom. Like whoa, (laughs) Charles. I'm not that big, man. I'm taller than you, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, this hurts me to say. I kind of agree with Kevin. Really? Yeah. I mean, it hurts so bad to say that. I agree with you. Of you don't want to be awkward and interrupt somebody's if they're in the middle of the meal or something like that. You're not going to walk up and say, hey. How's your, how's your salad? By the way, I'm Dustin. What's yeah. going on? But there are a couple guys out there. I mean, as Reed knows, probably painfully so, I met Dan Patrick in New York. and I met him too. So did Kevin, and we all took pictures with you him. You met Dan Patrick? You're all so special. Well, we do it just because Reed just hasn't cause, gotten to meet him, and it's oh, like a yeah. hero. No, I've never met him. Yeah. So that was, but he was cool. He was in the bar, and I just said, hey, how's it going? I was actually a coworker at the time, so it was yeah. all right. I told you, you my awkward you, story. Yeah, you it. tracked him down like in the bathroom. Well, no, I had to get him coming out of the bathroom because I tried to get him. <laughs> That's bad, Kelly. No, he was, see, this is why I really disagree Hold on, with you. hold on. There's he like was in the bathroom. I was actually outside the restaurant on the on the patio. I waited for him to come back out the patio. I didn't like go stand outside the men's room door. Well, that's a much better story. <laughs> but I tried to get in earlier with Next him. Next to him in the bathroom. Well, no, because so he you was, washing your hands or he was <laughs> eating. We had him and Al Michaels, right? They're facing away from my location. I'm a few tables over. It was a big NBC, like the pre-Olympics meal for all the, the talent and producers and directors, the whole staff. So he's kind of across, and I'm like, dude, i got to go say hi to Dan Patrick. I walk over there. I start over there. In comes Michelle Tafoya. 
So now it's the whole Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football crew. Those three sitting together, and there is nowhere for me to get in. I kept cruising. I'm over there. It's really awkward that I'm just kind of stuck because they're all facing the other way. They're all kind of wedged. There's no way to just get in there. I like cruise around the edge of the table and then back around the other way. <laughs> like, Jesus, there's nowhere to get in here. And I walk back. My crew's laughing at me. I know what I'll do. I'll guys. wait for him outside the bathroom. That's what, he went yeah, to the bathroom. That's what I'll do. I was on my way out. I actually went back and I stood down near the front of the entrance to the patio and waited him out. Well. Okay, so not to toot my own horn, but this is why I think I'm this way. When you go to a school like USC, Uh-oh. where you dine, I'm just saying, where Uh-oh. you dine nightly and hang out with Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Dwayne Jarrett, you know, like all these names for years, right? You're around people in this world. They become normal to you. That's all there so, is people. Yeah, so when you when I see someone famous, it doesn't dawn on me to walk up to them because I wouldn't walk up to a normal person that I just see to introduce myself. I agree with you there. Sense? Yeah, but, totally. But, but if you see Julia Roberts, it's like, you know, you just said it's your, she's your maybe number one celebrity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't you think like, oh, I just want to say hi. And, no. That's no. exactly why I would walk say up hi. to them and say hi. Yeah. Because if, if, if I see someone that I'm interested in, whether it be famous or not, someone that I, I admire what they do, I would walk up and say hi to them. Let me put it this like way. Like another broadcaster, yeah. not necessarily famous, but you admire their work. You'd walk up and introduce yourself. So why is it any different if it's a famous person? But I wouldn't. But maybe that's just different. I'm really quiet. But what so about maybe this? Maybe it's different. So Kevin did a terrible job with your intro. However, <laughs> you are, you know, re- relatively well known. Especially you've been on Longhorn oh, Network. You've been on ESPNU. There's probably girls out there, especially at the high school, you know, volleyball level, that want to do what you do and have mm-hmm. done. Wouldn't you want them to come up to you and say? Hey, Kelly, I'm, you know, whatever. I play volleyball at so-and-so high school, yeah. and I really like what you do. I want to do it, too. Doesn't that, wouldn't that make you feel good? Yeah. So I just yeah. want to make feel good. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Good point. I just want to make people feel good. And the timing's got to be right. I didn't come up to him while he's at his dinner table. Right. Because Arian said, you going to say something to him? I'm like, not at his dinner table. Yeah, yeah not in the middle of, yeah. No, totally agree there. Yeah. He's chilling at the bar. There aren't that many people there. It's like 12 o'clock on Friday night in, in Atlanta. Yeah, and the touching thing that you said, like, he's going there. up and. Not really bothering Yeah, me. that's weird. Hey. Well, yeah. Hey. If you like, immediately went up to the person, you got to wait for them to make contact with you, just like yeah, a normal yeah. person. Like right. you wouldn't walk up to somebody else you don't know and just like grab right. them. Well, I mean. Well, I mean, I knew you at the you time. You, yeah, you would. <laughs> I mean, a normal person, not Agreed. me. Yeah. Speaking of celebrities, Oscars last night. Yes. Didn't see. Uh, amazing. Yeah. I was flying. Greatest I was show I've ever seen. I was really? really looking forward to Kelly Tennant's take on a lot of what happened. I want time. Jeremy's take. We no, got... First, I want fashion talk with Kelly Tennant. Okay. Well, let me just preface this with... I Welcome watched, to the red carpet. I watched the whole red carpet show, and then I only saw like an hour of the show because I was driving home from my parents. But I thought that... DVR. I thought that um, Jennifer Hudson was stunning. She looked absolutely amazing. Jennifer Lawrence is one of my favorite actresses. Is she the one who fell? Yes. yes. Okay. And I think she's, she's beautiful, beautiful yeah, but she's I don't beautiful. think that she... In a plain Jane way. Well, yeah, but I, I, I just don't think her dress was flattering to her because she has such a beautiful body, and I don't like the way the dress fell on her. That was probably my biggest complaint of the night. Um, and then Jennifer Anderson, I was a little questioning of the color because she was on the red carpet in a red dress, and sometimes it just doesn't look right. And then when she was on stage presenting, she looked stunning. Could you not wear a orange dress on the red carpet? Because that would look really weird. 
Yeah, I mean... And you look like a pumpkin anyway. Yeah, I don't think people really wear orange. Just saying. But I don't know. I thought everyone looked beautiful. And it was interesting. There was a lot of nudes and neutral colors. I didn't see any nudes. Well, How about all the beards? I was looking. Like the guys beards. from Argo, all three of them, full beards. Yeah. No one cares. What? No one cares. Like, no one cares how they look. The guys, like, the beard is is a, I don't know what I can say on the show, but it's a, I don't give a you-know-what. You can say anything. Dr. Gervais proved that. Oh, yeah. I don't give a shit. That's okay. the feeling I'm getting from them. Drink. Drink. Um, words. Drink. Zoe Saldana? She, she looked great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she looked really good. My wife liked that one. Yeah. What else? Who else looked good? I mean, George Clooney is delicious. I don't love how much With of a beer? baller he is. Hell yeah. He could do no wrong. I just realize that thing is scratchy. He's such a baller, though. I love though. men with facial hair. Really? They had the full-on... Okay. They had the full-on best picture at the end, right? And everybody, not everybody, but uh, their partner, Ben Affleck and, and George Clooney, the third guy who said yeah. it, was really funny. He's like, this is the best-looking production team yeah. you've ever seen, yeah. probably. And then Ben Affleck, really emotional. Clooney just stands there. Doesn't, I don't need to say anything. It's not it? his moment. No. And they, I saw something about him later. I interviewed with him, and he said, "He said, no, it's this is Ben's moment." Yeah, I feel like George has had so many. Not a self guy. Yeah, he's a I exactly. Step back and it's okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's uh he's the second person to ever win an Oscar in all the categories. Direction. Who's the other one? Walt Disney. Oh wow. Gosh. Yeah. No big deal. Just you know. Yeah. Ball. <laughs> Just Jeremy's way of speaking. Yeah. So I watched a little bit of Piers Morgan because I was flying actually right over the show, but I watched a little bit of Piers Morgan because that's what was on in the airport. My man talked himself into two or three corners back to back to back. I don't know who he was talking to. It was some guy who was up for best director, like the youngest guy for best director. I don't even know what film it was, I don't know. but he would have been uh, was, the youngest uh, ever to win. It was the one with the, the little girl, Q. Beast oh, yeah. of Southern Ooh, Wild. I have something else to say. About Ooh, that. I can't wait for this. Okay, so. Beast of the Southern Wild, isn't that what, yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, so he made it for like a million dollars. It's made like 13 or 14 million bucks or whatever, just in the United States. So Piers Morgan has him over, and he says uh, something about being the youngest director, but he's completely wrong, and the guy corrects him. So that's one thing. It's like, Piers, you, you didn't know the fact. You talked yourself into a corner like you did know the fact. The guy corrects you. Then the guy brings in – no, then Piers Morgan goes – well, this is great. Well, what, what little hottie do you have on your arm? Or what piece of, of hotness do you have on your arm tonight? And he goes, well, I brought my sister. <gasps> oh, oh, They no. bring the sister over. Whoops. And then he goes, well, you must just be so proud of your brother and the, the things he's done with this film. And, and she goes, actually, I worked on the film. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm just going, oh, dude, you're just... And then they show him at the end, he's smiling, throwing to somebody else right on a two-shot and... and uh, or a two-way, and then they go off of them. Like right now, Piers Morgan is like should be throwing stuff because that was so awful. Isn't that yeah. where your producers come in though? In your ear. Like, well, and he said in my ear, they're telling me now. Yeah. Like he did that in the middle of the beginning of it. Yeah, that sucks. You have to work as a team on that stuff because I I just don't think talent, unless you're Ryan Seacrest, can know everything about these people. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's hard. True, you so can't you know everything. You want to have people back there with notes feeding you stuff. And people don't realize that. In, in particular, I see it in a lot of the products I do. People don't realize that if you're in the NFL or the NBA, those guys, they're, when they bring up those stats, they didn't look that up back on Thursday. Like some stuff they did, but the new stuff, when it, something happens, it's like they didn't look that up. Somebody got in their ear. They have a stats guy whose entire job is to figure out this is the 
fourth quarterback ever to throw for 25 consecutive passes through three quarters. Exactly. Right, and they throw that into him, and then he says it. And it takes a whole team to make it all flow and sound really good. But the, my point is, you have to be smart enough not to talk yourself into that corner. Oh, I totally agree. And Pierce agree. talked himself into three corners in about 15 seconds. Like, yeah. way to go, dude. I'll take care of this. What about Q? Oh, so I was on Bleacher Report, I think, this morning, or maybe it was on E. No, definitely wasn't Bleacher Report. That was something else. But I was on E Online. You mm-hmm. were on E? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were on Have the show. It. No, not anymore. Uh, and they, some source came out and called her the C word. Yeah, the onion. I mean, what? Ooh. Yeah, the onion tweeted. I heard this, yeah. Something about, oh, well, isn't she just a little C word? Uh-huh. I cannot even believe. The little nine-year-old uh, nominated for Best Actress. She's a freaking adorable nine-year-old. Yeah. Q. They just call her a little Q. Yeah. The Onion yeah. said that about her. And then they immediately retracted it and took it off, but people were blowing them up. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, the Onion's whole deal, right? Yeah, The Onion apologized for the tweet. Yeah. But I some just... things, an apology may not just be no. enough. Yeah. I've someone call me that word and it was devastating and you're not nine years old no yeah. oh they're calling her a little cute because no one can say her name yeah Covenjene. wallace yeah sure okay thanks kevin i don't do we even care about volleyball in this show not particularly time to time there's nothing going on yeah i mean gary sato's got a new job casey patterson is still out there booming on a tuesday for yeah. no that's the best for no apparent reason I want to make people aware of this. I've I've seen some paperwork. We've talked a lot about financing a beach volleyball, or the lack thereof. The FIVB is putting in an extra $3 million to meet the prize money needs of their beach tour. And that's not beach sponsorship money. That's just extra money. That's indoor money, for those of you out there in the beach world keeping track, indoor money Again, subsidizing the beach, this time at the FIVB level. So let's count the entities here. AVP, making money? Yes or no? No. NVL, making money? Yes or no? No. That's a maybe. No? Maybe, Maybe. I guess. No? I mean, I'm guessing no. Uh, Cuervo, or IMG at this point. IMG. Making money? Not on volleyball. No. FIVB, making money on beach volleyball. Apparently not. No. Newsflash, beach volleyball doesn't make money. The net live. We don't have the Albert Balls comment. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's. I don't say this with any glee. Don't take it the wrong way. Yeah. I I just, I just think that a little bit. He takes a little bit of. Yeah, satisfaction in the fact that... It's only because I remember getting cornered by five or six beach people talking about how awesome they were and how much the indoor side sucked. Okay, guys. Check. Uh, but I, I don't take any glee in the failure of any part of the of the sport of volleyball, but there has to be something different. There has to be something different. And Jeremy and I were talking about this last week, that there is no real different model. NBL is getting close to a different model, but there is no real different model being used. It's the same model over and over, and it's not producing dollars. 
That's got to be different. And we asked the question on the Facebook page, and during the show last week, we got some good responses to what does it mean to be a professional sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good question. Feel free to chime in. What do you think the qualifications would be to be considered a professional sport, Kelly Tennant? There has to be money making involved. By whom and how much? To what level? I don't know. Yeah, April actually responded to the NetLives tweet. April Ross, for those that aren't Trojans. Yeah, sorry. I know in Trojan circles, she's just known as April. Just Ape. I will dance around this room. Can't wait. And she said it has to provide a living for everyone consistently earning prize money in the main draw. Okay. I would agree with that. But Yeah, what does that mean was our follow-up, right? Right. So earning a living. Yeah. And what? how many people in the main draw? Because if you're saying 24 teams on both sides, that's a lot of people. It's almost 100 people. Yeah, well, it's almost like you can't, money-wise, I don't know that you can put specifications on it because, you know, you look at some of these pro soccer guys that are making, they're new and they're making like 40 grand a year. Yeah, if that. I think they make less. Yeah, so... I guess maybe difference from sport to sport. Would 40 be considered making a living, you think? Not in L.A. But what do you athlete. have to hit? 60? 60 might do yeah, it. Yeah, 60, I think so. 60 because do this it. sport, it doesn't go year-round, so you can do something else. Here's I the, guess I look at it like broadcasting. We had some good responses. Steve Crandall started doing the math for us, which was cool, because if you start doing the math, it starts adding up real quick. He said there needs to be a recognized professional league that offers enough events that a number of players, say eight from each sex, can support themselves at least at a modest level, including their training and travel costs. Perhaps the target is 35 to 40K each, sort of a beginning K-12 teacher's salary, plus enough to travel and train. That would imply a payout of perhaps $2 million a year for a league, just to support 16 players at a reasonable level. Money can be in the form of winnings or salary. I think 16 total. I didn't check the math here, but he said eight for each sex. Here's the thing. I think this is a great conversation to have. I worry that... Nobody, by the way. The tours... (laughs) You need $2 million. That you just mentioned, Kevin, the different tours, NVL, AVP. I, I don't know that they have this level of calculation. I don't know that somebody's goes, okay, here's where we need to start. We need to start by making this a professional no, you know, a no professional one's endeavor. I don't think anybody has. Because if they had, we'd have an answer, wouldn't we? We'd say, well, what makes it a professional yeah. sport is you have eight teams on both sides that make forty grand a year, and that's where we start. Okay, if that's where we start, then we're gonna need this amount of, of money to for prize money. We need this amount for production. We need this amount for Jeremy's checks. And then we go get it. I have a lot to say about this topic. I don't have a mic today, but I want to throw one thing out there. When all the players back in the day were making a hundred grand a year, Mm -hmm. it was only one sex. That was a professional sport. Now it's two, so you have to split that prize money. That's all I have for now. Okay. Great point. All right, let's do a little short math. Let me uh, let me boot up the calculator because I can't do this by hand. Uh, Boot up a little short math. Let's say you wanted twenty players which is only 10 teams. That's a pretty minimal deal, right? Per side. So that's 40 players that we need to make money, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Times, let's just say 40K. I like it. 
All right. I so like where you're going. 40 players times $40,000. You're already at $1.6 million. Now you need training costs. Right? So I'm at one six. Why do we need training costs? Because 40K is not covering travel no, and No, you can't live and, live and do all that. you got to pay taxes, by the way, because you're 1099. In California. Not like you're an employee. Mm-hmm. You're in California, most likely. So 40K all of a sudden is about 30K. Take home. Conservatively. Yep. Take home. Mm-hmm. 30K. you got to pay rent, right? Yeah. If, if you're single, you got to pay insurance. Insurance is going to run you another 600 Traveling. A month. But you've also got sponsors, hopefully. So let's say you need another Offset 20K. Some of that. Okay. Hold on. So you need another 20K. So that's going to be, what, 800 In additional 2.4. Because everybody needs 20K for training and so on. So you're at 2.4. So we're at $2.4 million just to support those players. And that's assuming everybody makes the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. That's assuming number one makes 40K and number... 10 team makes 40K each person, right? The number 20 player makes 40K, which that's not going to happen anyway. No, definitely not. Yeah, so, you're probably saying that the number 10 ranked team makes 40 and the number one ranked team makes. No, the number, the number, remember in our math, the number 10 ranked team has to make 80. Right, right. I mean, the players ranked 20 as, as the top 10 team are making 40. I'm just saying my point is that the number one ranked team is not going to be making 40. They're going to be making. Something exponentially larger because they're the number one ranked team. Like, let's say 100. Sure. Let's right. be really conservative yeah. and say it's 100. Right. So and now then you're at 100, in... 90, 70, and, and then and everybody on down, in between. Right? Yeah. But that 100 is actually 200 because you need each player to make 100. So this 1.6 number, that's more like 3.5 or 4. Yeah, 5. Call it 5. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to call it 5. Five million dollars plus the eight hundred thousand because training costs are about equal. So you're looking at about five point eight million dollars that needs to be rolling in just to keep the players playing. Forget moving the stands, setting up the tournament, putting up banners, paying the city, getting the, the permits required. Forget all that stuff. Anybody think we need something less than ten million bucks? I mean, no, there's no way. And there's no way any of these groups are bringing in $10 million in sponsorship. No. No way it's even close. So is it a professional sport? I think it is because it's all we have. But you can't call it professional, no? Right? Well, you have to call it professional if they're making money from the definition, period. That doesn't mean that it's a... So, I mean, I guess you say people that are D-level volleyball players that are training. Yeah. Training for what? I don't know. Yeah. Lord knows what tours are happening or what's going on. Are they professional? They're not necessarily making money. Correct. But they're professional. They're self-proclaimed professional volleyball players. Right. I can call myself a professional motocross rider and go spend all my time riding motocross. It doesn't mean I'm professional. I'm not making any money at it. I'm a professional announcer. Look at me. (laughs) This is an amazing life. I don't know. It's It's an interesting debate. Yeah, it really is. Uh, It's it's interesting to do the math just on the short. 
and really look at what it takes and what these guys are up against. And and I want to make sure we know you're bringing up the numbers to say what these guys are up against. If you're James Lights, you're Donald Sun, you're Albert Hanneman, you're USA Volleyball, whoever you are trying to support this space, you're up against a pretty serious number. Mm-hmm. And no matter what they do, it always it's wrong because it, it's like you can do no right in this situation. They're screwed. Well, the players are going to complain no matter what. I mean, right. It's just the way it's going to be. But yeah, I mean, you're you're up against a big number. That's well, and I easy. I think the other thing too is like, what do young beach volleyball players aspire to when there's no chance of being a professional? Maybe unless you're now. Do we go? Well, it's only professional if you're on the FIVB now. It really is. There are not tournaments otherwise. Right. So. The chances of all these people making the FIVB, I don't know. I guess it goes, it's like the NBA. It's the same kind of statistic. Like all these people want to play. And at the end of the day, the the options are very small. Except there's 435 players or whatever it is in the NBA. And then if you count overseas, right. there's another few thousand people playing professionally. Right. And you're making a few hundred grand cases, you know, a million plus mm-hmm. if you're a basketball player in some of these foreign leagues. And then you look to the D League which mm-hmm. is supporting at that same level like arena football has. But also there's more basketball players at a younger age than there are volleyball players. So it, it, I think it's the same. It's, I think it's all relative. Less volleyball players, less options. Might be, be interesting to see options. the math on that. Yeah, more basketball. But the, the options professionally are shrinking dramatically for pro beach. Right. We've known that. That's not news to anybody. Yeah. But just to do the math on what what really would turn this back into a profession, forget the idea of what it used to be, just... The idea of a profession, a livable, scrape-by wage for some decent number of players. We're really we're only talking 10 teams. You can't even have a whole tournament with 10 teams. Right. So you need a whole bunch of other cannon fodder to throw in there, mm-hmm. guys that are on their own dime, make, you know, putting money out to be there, or holding another job that somehow pays for them to be able to train, which, of course, compromises their training. So how do you make that leap? But you're not really creating a professionalized situation. There is still, to take indoor volleyball, for instance, a professionalized situation where you can go overseas and play for a $0 sum because you're taken care of. Mm -hmm. You're living there. You're getting fed. You're clothed, whatever. You're playing. In Switzerland, you can go $0. You can make twenty grand on the year. You can make thirty grand on the year. You can make some number that will sustain you for the four months in between your seasons Mm -hmm. if you wanted to continue playing. And it's a zero-dollar game, but it's not a negative-dollar game. Correct. Where I think Beach has turned into a negative-dollar game yeah. for so many of the athletes, so many very good athletes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes me so sad is you have so many talented people, and there's no venue for them. Yes. Like, it's terrible. We're losing the middle. We're losing the, the very talented individuals who spent five years with an okay situation with the AVP mm-hmm. and the FIVB to make themselves into on-the-edge players, right? Going from that middle group, perhaps to the elite group, perhaps not, but they were on that edge. Right. We're losing them. We're losing players who will make different choices as they exit college. We're losing, to your point earlier, about uh, players who are being drawn to the sport. I want to be a beach volleyball player because I see that what's possible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a problem. For the sport in general. National team stuff, Olympic stuff, it'll still continue. Right. All right, let's take a break, Jeremy. 
You have a mic, by the way. We can pull a mic over here for you now. M- meh. Meh. We get talking about DJs. All right, we still have Gary Sato coming up on the show. We also have Casey Patterson and much more non-volleyball talk. College Volleyball Weekly will be here. And Kelly Tennant, don't forget. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We'll make sure we thank Volleyball Magazine as well as the Spire Institute for their support of the show and also the American Volleyball Coaches Association who bring you the College Volleyball Weekly every week and the Coaches Corner. It's a couple of features brought to you by the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the AVCA. I think we have our first guest here, Jeremy. I'm just waiting it. Waiting on it. If you've been around volleyball, you've heard the name Sato, whether it's Eric or Gary or his parents coming every week to the Pepperdine matches when I was there and I think since the dawn of time. 
If you look down this man's resume, he has been, since 1984, involved in one way or another with the USA men's volleyball team. On his LinkedIn profile, it says 85 to 2011. And he was an assistant coach for the past four years with Alan Knipe as they took their team to the 2012 Olympics and played exceptionally well, just missing out on an opportunity into the medal round. He's the director of chiropractic at Sato Chiropractic, but I don't know if they're going to shut the doors or what because he's got a new job. He's the first foreign head coach in the history of Japanese volleyball, new Japanese men's head coach, Gary Sato. Gary. Hey, thank you, Kevin. Hey, thanks for calling in. You must be incredibly busy right now. I didn't even know that you were putting your name in the hat for this job. Tell us about getting involved with wanting to take the Japanese head coaching position. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, Kevin, I'm pretty I'm surprised, surprised as well. well the, uh, the, uh, the original plan after the, after the 2012 Olympics was to, to spend more time with the family and, and uh, build up the chiropractic business again. Uh, but somehow or another, I got bitten by the bug to, to be in the competitive arena, and, and uh, lo and behold, Japan was available, and then they were showing some interest. So I went through the process and, and uh, jumped right in. Yeah, bitten by the bug. I, 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 that's a strange bug to be bitten by because so often when we talk to these international coaches, the schedule, the demands, and, and in your case, the location – is going to be an incredible challenge. How did you come to the decision that this was the right choice for you? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, it's uh, it's definitely going to be an adventure. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've always been up for challenges, and and this one seems like a a, a, a gigantic one. And and I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go and and learn to try to learn a new language and learn about a new culture, uh, but hopefully. Uh, a lot of the volleyball will be the same, and the arena of the volleyball is the same. Um, I'll miss my family, of course, but uh, we've made some provisions for them to come over and for me to come back. Uh, and, you know, in this day and age with, with Skype and uh, FaceTime and as well as uh, the uh, jet travel, boy, you know, we're just a hop, skip, and a jump across the ocean. What are the demands going to look like for you on a calendar basis? How long are you going to expect it to be in Japan, and how much work are you going to be able to do perhaps from here while visiting with the family? Well, right now uh, I'm actually uh, looking at Data Volley, uh, the, 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 you know, the program to, to watch film on uh, a lot of the Japanese players, uh, some of the previous international matches, but, uh, but they also have a professional league. I heard just talking about uh, pros and uh, you know, have need, the need for a professional league for you know the, all of our players to develop and so on and so forth. But but they have a, uh, a league over in Japan, and uh, and so they have competition going on right now in the finals, semifinals and finals are at the end of March. So I plan to go over and watch those. But meanwhile, I've got a lot of downloaded uh, material on a bunch of their matches and rosters. So I'll I'll uh, skim through them and make some notes and see which players that we we need to invite to the the national team. Gary, you've been involved with USA Volleyball for so very long in, in one capacity or another and so much touch with many of the big names in the sport. With this head coaching spot, who are you going to draw on? What experiences are you going to draw on? Who are your mentors in the way you're going to approach this head coaching position? Well, I'll tell you, I've, 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 uh, I've been around 
some all all of the great volleyball coaches, you know, with uh, Mark Dunphy to start off the list, and and uh, acquainted with Al and and uh, Alan Knipe was was huge in in helping get me back involved in the, in the sport after being out for a little while. Um, you know, John Spra, I've gotten to know pretty well, and of course, a lot of the great players that I, I've coached along the way are now good coaches as well. You know, Karch Karai being the, the national team coach for the women. Uh, USA Women, Jeff Stork at at, uh, at Cal State Northridge. So I'll be talking to a lot of them and uh, picking their brains uh, in order to to help formulate a, a plan. You know, but I think it's sometimes it, it's quite simple. You know, you just just uh, figure out how much time you have and your talent, and figure out what you got to work at to be be better at, and hopefully the the chips fall in the right places. How much concern do you have about the cultural differences? between you and your players? Uh, well, you know, I, I think it's going to be a huge concern. I, one of the things culturally, though, is, is if it works out, they uh, in, the, in their culture, the, the coaches um, automatically, uh, like, command respect. I mean, but and then they're supposed to listen. <laughs> but, but for me personally, being involved with all the elite athletes here in the U.S., I, I feel that you need to earn the respect. You know, so I'll do my best in, in order to establish, you know, establish a relationship and and uh, provide them and try to help put them in the best position possible for success. And that's the way, you know, that's the way I've always done it. I firsthand had the opportunity to watch a couple of foreign coaches, uh, Toshi Yoshida and also, um, I can't think of her name right now. Help Thank me you. out. Lang Thank Ping. You. Thank you very much. Lang Ping. Uh, I can read your mind. It's programs, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, that'll help you for sure. Uh, I, I've had an opportunity to watch the Asian philosophy applied to American athletes, and I've seen some of the rub there for the athletes. It seems like there'd be less of a rub the other way. These are athletes that are used to practicing perhaps for three hours after a match. Uh, are you going to integrate any of that particular philosophy, into that kind of hard-nosed hours upon hours of training philosophy, or are you going to stick more to the American ideal of quantity over quality? Well, actually, uh, it's going to be quality over quantity. And, and uh, that's, that's what, that's what I, I plan to do. I, you know, I'd, I'd rather uh, uh, err on the side of being more conservative than to, than to overwork them and, and have, a, have a, you know, a fatigued athlete out there. I think you learn best when you're fresh, and there's, there's a place for that, all that training and conditioning. But but I, I think uh, as an athlete, I know if you feel good and, and, and uh, you feel mentally prepared and you're well-rested, I think you can get the best results that way. I know there are some people out there that feel like perhaps Japan is poaching now our coaching talent because our men's team still sits without a head coach. Did you apply for that position? Were you ever in the running? And did you have any interest in taking over that team that you were just an assistant for this past year? You know, I, I I did not apply for that position, and I I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that I, I was in the running, uh, if you know had I applied, but but it, it just wasn't uh, a good match for me right now at this point in time, you know, and, and so uh, so I was you know like I said I was I was interested in in just uh, staying home and and uh, doing the chiropractic and and watching my kids play volleyball, and that's probably the thing I'll miss the most is seeing the kids play in their careers. Uh, my son's at Long Beach State now, a freshman, and they're having a, a pretty good season. I think they have the ingredients to have a pretty special season um, if all things uh, go right. And 
and uh, and my daughters are both playing club volleyball in the 14th and the 18th division. So, so th- those are the things I'll, I'll miss the most. But I but I wasn't uh, I just didn't think it was a good match for me and the and the team to be the head coach right there at this point in time. Um, but then again, you know I think uh, this is a much bigger challenge than than doing that uh, due to those those uh you know, those things that you talked about, the, the cultural differences, the language barrier, and so on and so forth. But, I, but I'm up for the challenge. It's just, I think it's a unique adventure, and, and to be uh, history-making, being the first foreign coach that they'd ever uh, allowed into the system. Uh, you know, I, I think the U.S. is in a good position. They've got plenty of people that can do a, a fine job with the team and, and fantastic athletes. So that's a great start right there. Yeah, tell us about Japan a little bit, a team that has a, a great history and a great following inside their own country. You play in the Asian zone. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of opportunity for you to perhaps have this team regain uh, a stature that it hasn't had for a couple of years. You know, exactly. You know, volleyball in Japan is, is huge. And in, on the world stage, uh, Japan has helped uh, the, the, the international volleyball uh, to to the nth degree, you know, I've had always had great experiences going over there and, and, and admiration and respect for what they've done for volleyball, and and so I, you know, I I feel you know a little indebted to them because they used to be great friends and they still are with the United States. They would help USA volleyball uh, by having them uh, uh, hosting them for tours and so on and so forth back in the old days, and and uh, you know, not that uh, I owe them, but. Uh, but but I think it's it's great to get involved with this. You're listening to Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to newly named head coach Gary Sato, head coach of Japan. Uh, Gary, what are when are you going to go over, and what are, what is expected? You said you're going to go over for playoffs. Will you be back between playoffs and the national team season? And how does the national team season look like? It shapes up for Japan. How different is their calendar than the United States' calendar? Well, you know, I I I don't I plan to go on over the end of March and and seeing their semifinals and their finals and some of their university matches as well. So I don't think I'll be getting back in time. And and uh, oddly enough, the, their their schedule is is similar to the to the U.S. I I I didn't think it would be, but but they um, have their professional league and they come back and rejoin the national team like three weeks out before the first competition. So that's not much time. I mean, I think uh, in the U.S. I would have had an advantage if I were the coach because even if it was three weeks or two weeks, at least we you know, speak the same language and, and uh, the uh, vocabulary on the court for the you know terminology, of the, the the plays and such would be the same. But here I've, I've got to learn some Japanese, counting one to ten and, and uh, so on and so forth. It, it's it's the same. We've got the World League. We've got uh, we have the Zone Championship. And then the the uh, grand champions uh, tournament in Japan in uh, in November. So the same type of schedule uh, every year, just uh, some different uh, countries we have to travel to. Yeah, how about the communication problems? You said you plan to learn Japanese, but in the meantime, they must be providing you with a translator. I mean, anyone who's been to Japan understands it is a completely foreign environment, an environment that I enjoy quite a bit, but it is a completely foreign environment from culture, from language, from structure. I mean, try reading vertically and uh, right to left. <laughs> right now, I'm not planning on doing much reading. 
but uh, but <laughs> but I do uh, plan to learn some of the volleyball terminology and all the pleasantries that uh, that go along with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely going to be a challenge. There, there's there's some uh, things there that that uh, that I'm, I'm getting from a lot of friends. I've, I've gotten like 90 pages of uh, of uh, of uh, notes about business etiquette. So I definitely don't want to go over there and stick my foot in my mouth and, you know, have the great social faux pas. I'm sure that all the um, uh, media would be fully aware of. So, uh, so I'm learning as much as I can now, and then when I get over there, I'll, I'm, I'm, I know I'll learn a ton. And nothing like, uh, you know, how it is in, uh, when you're competing, the intensity and the focus. I, I think uh, it will be kind of fun as I'll probably be like that. For quite a bit, I'll really have to uh, utilize my downtime well. Yeah, Gary, just make sure you look at the forks and you work your way in from the outside. Oh, wait, they don't have, <laughs> have forks. Never mind. Never, never mind. Forget on that one. Thanks, hey, thanks. What was USA Volleyball's reaction to your hiring? Well, you know, it, it, it was kind of strange because I, uh, I flew, you know, you fly over to Japan. I flew over uh, leaving... Uh, L.A. Sunday night at midnight, or uh, yeah, Sunday at midnight, and and uh, you skip a day, you end up getting there Tuesday morning. So I I, wrote, I arrived in Japan on Tuesday morning uh, for a press conference, and they were going to announce this and that, and and uh, you know I I I get to my hotel room at 6:30 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and I turn on the TV, and I'm sitting on my computer trying to get the internet going, and I I look over at the TV, and my mug's on the TV. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> so I, I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna, you know. And then, uh, so then my my uh, internet comes on and, and and my inbox is full. People are saying, hey, congratulations. Hey, this, the word's out, so on and so forth. And I get an email from Doug Beal, you know, the president, uh, the head of the uh, USA Volleyball, and he's saying congratulations and so on and so forth. And I, and I, you know, I said, I, I wrote him back right away. I said, hey, Doug. Uh, you know, I, I I was surprised to see it myself. I was going to uh, email you a special email and let you know ahead of time, right before you know the press conference and and so on and so forth. And I thanked him for for you know all the help he's given me along the way and the tremendous job and respect I have for him for what he's done for USA Volleyball. Uh, but but that's how it went. You know, and, uh, but and uh, uh, then the press conference happened and it was a lot of fun. But but uh, yeah, I've had nothing but uh, goodwill and support from uh, from everyone. So welcome to a real sport, Gary Sato, where stuff gets leaked out and it's a big deal and you end up on TV. That That's a whole different way to function for you as a coach. Yeah, you know, it's better than having your face on a milk carton or around the post office. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder about that, about the pressures. What are the expectations of the JVA, uh, Japan Volleyball Association? What have they said to you as expect, expectations for year one, year two, and also the quad? You know, the... Uh, you know the thing is, they they want to just climb the ladder. You know, so right now they're they're uh, they've been ranked 19, and I think uh, climbing the ladder is is definitely doable. Uh, whether we can you know compete for medal or get on the stand right away, oh, that would be a minor miracle. That would be realistically speaking, but we're going to definitely shoot for it and work like we're going to do it. I I don't I don't see about you know I I've never been one to think about you know just uh, just trying to get finish third place or fourth place or something like that. I think you shoot for the shoot for the moon and if you you miss you land among the stars. 
I like that. We got to clip that one, Jeremy. That's got to be it. You shoot for the well, moon. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not an original, but uh, but I, I like it. We'll take it from you. It's an original on this show from you. So we'll, we'll take <laughs> there, it. Then again, then again, I did say it, right? No, okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, we know you're focused on Japan and, and your job at hand, but we here at the Net Live and a lot of American volleyball fans continue to wonder who on earth is going to take over the men's program. Who do you think should be the next head coach of the men's program here in the United States? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to name a name, because, but I will tell you this. Uh, a, a lot of the great candidates have a job already, you know, and and uh, and, uh, and they get to be at home, you know, and and see their families and so on and so forth. And and uh, and there's a little bit of job security, I think, uh, uh, once they get established. So so I think they really have to just want to be in that international arena. And and I like the international arena because I think it's really fun to work with the like the cream of the crop, so to speak. You know, they've well, you know, I mean, you were there. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I I definitely understand the appeal to a coach, uh, both for the security of some of the jobs they have, and we've talked about that on this show, but also the option to see what it looks like at the top level. Hey, we appreciate all the time you're spending with us here. We know you're busy and have a lot of demands on your time. Before we let you go, give us some names of guys that we should be watching, guys that our fans should look up and target on that Japanese team. Oh, Okay, there's a guy, the opposite lefty, named uh, Shimizu, and, uh, you know, he's a pretty powerful hitter. Uh, an outside hitter named uh, uh, Fukuzawa, pretty pretty good outside hitter, great jump and arm swing. And then, uh, let's see, I think their libero is pretty good. Uh, Megano, yeah, I think he's pretty talented. So, you know, with some, uh, the addition of some you know, some younger players maybe, uh, and hopefully a little bit of size, I think we'll, we'll be all right. That sounds like a pretty good start. Good outside hitter, good opposite, and good libero. Sounds like a fantastic beginning to the Gary Sato era there for Japanese volleyball. Gary, thanks for calling in, and congratulations once again. We look forward to hearing about your success and the many victories of the Japanese men's national team in the Asian zone. Well, thank you, Kevin. If you ever come over, you got a place to stay. Hey, I want to come over. Figure out a way to work me in. I definitely want to come over. Japan's my favorite place to go, especially for volleyball. <laughs> I'm in. All right. All right, Kevin. All right. See you, Gary. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Right. Gary Sato, new head coach for Japan. That's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait to watch that. It's going to be really, really good. I'm just glad USA Volleyball is so supportive. I think that's awesome. Yeah, they are. a good organization yeah. in that respect. Yeah. And, and man, it's... it's uh. It's a daunting task to be a head coach of a national team, period. Yes. Forget some of the cultural and language things that, that Gary's going to face. It is uh, an incredible task. But you can hear it in Gary's voice, and this is very much Gary's personality. Always happy, always stoked about the sport, about life, and I, I think that's going to serve him well, for sure. Yeah, that's a guy that breathes life into a team. I think he'll, he'll have no problem inspiring. I'm also interested to see how the American philosophy does on a Japanese athlete. Because the practice habits of a Japanese athlete are crazy. Did you play in Japan? No. We we would go over and play over there. We would play the friendly tours that Gary mentioned. We would play those friendly tours all the time. And I'm not kidding. If we beat them 3-0, they would practice afterwards. Oh if we thumped gosh. them 3-0. And that was after I walked in an hour and a half before the match. They're spiking balls already. Wow. It's It's unbelievable. 
Yeah, but, I, f- I found it interesting when he his comment on the the coach for the men's national team here, of course, uh, about the best candidates having jobs. Yeah. It's kind of a, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a no-brainer, right? And a lot of people have mentioned it. The fact that they are the best coaches means that they do already have jobs. It's a difficult challenge for USAV, in my opinion, to get a coach who is at the top of his game, who can be at the collegiate level or wherever he is now, the pro level and or, or internationally, and then leave or split time or whatever it is to be a part of the USA men's national team. That seems to be maybe the biggest challenge is the only other option is you have someone that you take out of relative obscurity or at least unemployment in terms of the coaching game and, you know, pluck them out and put them in that spot. Yeah, you may have to take a chance on somebody. This has been an issue for a long time. Uh, Doug Beal, I think, at the, the dawn of this, went from being a player to being a coach. Mm-hmm. But he was an unknown at the time. Sure. Uh, and to hear Al Skates tell it, Al says Doug got the job because Doug would take less money. They didn't have any money. Really? Al, Al needed more money to, to, to be the head coach. Uh, and and Doug, Doug said he'd do it for less. So Young one of the hungry. reasons that Doug ended up with the job, right? Young and hungry. And then you had Marv Dunphy who took a leave of absence from Pepperdine, and he could do that in order to take the team uh, from 88 or 84 to 88. And then or I think it might have been 86 to 88 for B, for Dunphy, as a matter of fact. Because I think it may have been Neville from 84 to 88 or 84 to 86. Somebody on the chat board might be able to, to correct me on that one. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me. And then Fred Sturm, yeah. a unique situation where a guy just didn't have some other responsibilities. And I think Fred at Stanford at the time. He left Stanford, I believe, to take the national team job. Uh, but he's faced some interesting choices after the national team in uh, in 1996. Uh, some interesting, I guess, an interesting path. Yeah. He's in Croatia for a while. He's been a few other places. It's not easy to be a professional volleyball coach. Well, the thing that in, I keep in the United States. The thing that I keep looking back towards is comparing it to the international soccer game and the World Cup. You'll have coaches, the World Cup of soccer, that is. You'll have coaches that are coaching, you know, the Yugoslavian team, the Mexican team in the next World Cup, the U.S. in the next World Cup, the German. I mean, they bounce around between nations. They're gypsies. Yeah, and so, you know, why couldn't the U.S. take a foreign? Velasco, yeah, Italy to Spain to Italy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you could, but again, there's some cultural issues there. Well, maybe it's is it a bigger issue than not having a coach? <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Touchy. Yeah. There is an e on that. Kelly. Yeah. With an accent. Yeah. Touche. We. We. I'm Mexican. Oh, okay. Get with it. Tenant. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. My grandmother's name was Maria de Jesus Campos Gonzalez. Híjole. How tall are you? Six one. thank you very much. My father's Swedish. <laughs> the perfect Steve. balance. This is where the dark tanning skin comes from. Yes. Not the pasty whiteness that is me. Correct. You they, do look like my dad. They got to recolor the camera Whoa. for me, man. They called my, my grandfather the Swede. Kevin looks like your dad. Yeah, kind of. Hold on, let me see if I can pull up a picture of my pop. The great Steve Tennant. So cute. You know my parents' names. Oh, You're crazy. Oh, oh wait. Whoa. By association. Yeah, I got that. That's the. <laughs> Look, He's Steve, so cute. He dad. looks like okay, my dad. Let me see. 
Oh, he has a better mustache than I could ever he grow. He has a gnarly Needless mustache. Needless to say, that means Kevin's cute. Is that? Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, if we follow uh, that relationship. What's that about? 6'4"? Six, 6'6". Four? Six, six. My brother's 6'4", six, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, a boy dad. He's a Not a boy dad. How tall is mom? 5'9". Mom's 5'9"? Yeah. How tall is grandma? Um, Like Five seven five eight. Whoa, it's a tall. Tall Mexies. Yeah. That's how we roll, baby. Grandes. <laughs> Grandes. Yeah. Grande Mexicanos. See. So, we're, anyways, we're, we're learning yeah. a lot about you today. Well, I, <laughs> I know. I told you it was a terrible intro. She doesn't listen to the show, Kelly Tennant. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to get. You know, it's a deep. There's deep more pool. to me, yeah, Kevin. Than just six foot one. How goes the work these days? Works good. Have a few more basketball games. And Where are you appearing? Where can people see you? I'm on Fox Sports. Um, oh, I I'm occasionally here. do some work for them. Yeah. I know we have the same boss, weirdo. Um, yeah. Basketball sidelines on Saturdays. Good times. On Prime Ticket? On Fox Sports? Probably West, varies, I guess. Right? Yeah, it's West. kind of both. Yeah. They it's bounce fun, though. product around between right. those two networks pretty broadly. I love doing basketball. I get right in the huddles. I'm eye level with the boys because I wear my four-inch heels. Yeah, buddy. Great. It's like working with me on volleyball. Totally. Don't you and Paul Sunderland, I always get to wear my favorite shoes. It's like the only upside. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Sheesh. This is why she gets the intro she gets. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Still have a College Volleyball Weekly coming up, as well as Casey Patterson. Talk to him about the beach. I don't want to get back into that discussion. It just depresses me. Bums me out. The beach. We keep coming back yeah, to it week after week. It bums me out. We talk about what's right with the world, you know? Talk about what's right with volleyball. Indoor guys are killing it. Oh, wait. There's no national team coach. Dang it. I slipped right back in. They're killing it abroad, right? <sighs> yeah, they're killing it abroad. The future's bright as far as talent on that team goes. Yeah. Max Holt. Matt Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> It's the smell, Mr. Anderson. The NC2As got that in full gear right now. Yeah, NC2A men. Although, funny picture from Lewis University. Somebody tweeted over the weekend that uh, said, "Wonder what the problem is with volleyball." They were holding up their ticket to Lewis versus Ball State, mm-hmm. and it said basketball. Oh no! You couldn't change the fonting on the tickets there. <laughs> but Lewis, Lewis did sweep on the weekend, didn't they? I don't know. They did. I'm sure we'll get into it. One of my best friends is their god assistant. That's up to the uh, College Volleyball Weekly crew. Yeah, that's when we nap. Oh, got it. Yeah. I I actually know something, though. I need to share. Yeah. I need to prove that I am worthy of being here. Clearly, I don't know more than anything about the Oscars, so. We can go back to Oscar talk if you want. (laughs) I'm good with that. I know Jeremy is, too. Three to one. Justin, this is part where you can take the show wherever you want. I'm just kind of hanging out on the internet, looking at men's volleyball yeah, stores. Yeah, Mr. Awesome. What's up? What's up? How'd your call How go? How are you doing? You had a call. You just yeah. appeared at the Gary Sato interview. How'd your call go? Who was it with? It was good. Uh, just a contact in the startup world in Santa Monica area, trying to reach out and network. Since nobody here will help me do anything, I have to... Um, did I not tell you to go see up. Athletes Touch? You did. I Thank appreciate you. that. It took you about 17 seconds to help me. And... Yeah, because I'm nice. <laughs> yeah. Athletes Barney is Touch. selfish. So I'm not getting anywhere. Just oh, yeah. Here you're that line. Yeah, you're in Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Go to the ATL. Went to Lennox Mall. What a ritzy joint that is. Whoa. 
AVP ever play in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Yes, Jeremy? Yeah, because yes, the 96 Olympics venue was utilized for several years. Jeremy no? says no. Thank I you. I thought they used it. No? It's outside the city, I know. Don't have a mic, huh? Can't be part of the show. No mic. Why don't you get that thing ordered, huh, buddy? We need another mic. We're working on it. Yeah. We're trying to make this I show I can continue better. to have this, this show terrible one. today. It's okay with me. I really don't care. I have great thighs. Yeah. <laughs> there, he's in the program. There he is. We Yay. saw his thighs last week on the collage as well. It's amazing. I would get uh, USC and Stanford on Sunday. Oh, for real? Yep. I fly straight from St. Louis. Oh, is it at Stanford? I fly to Stanford. Yep. Damn. Be doing the match Sunday night. Should be fun. With I, who? I believe Kevin Wong. Oh, sweet. Yep. He'll be flying in for that one again. I miss mm. Maples. Place rocks. Are you going to go to that vegan restaurant and get your shake that I always see you tweeting about? Yeah, that buddy. I'm so jealous that I never got to go. Life Kitchen. L-Y-F-E. Yes. God, Life that kitchen. thing looks so good. You do Pac-12 in the fall, it's a date. Okay, good. I'll buy. Oh, my God. You're so nice. See that? I did see that. I saw it. Then I'll disgusting. go for the move. <laughs> People are probably so creeped out. Yeah. I don't they should be. That's a special thing now. It's okay. It is We're special. Cool. <laughs> special. Special. Now you can walk up to her when you see her and say hi. No, I Nick, when I when I, I see her when I see her in like a social you situation, do? I'm just gonna walk up behind her. She just knows me. I'm just gonna wind up, just whack, whack that ass. Yeah, she will. She will know it's you. <laughs> Take that, Mr. Cano. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because my only rule with men, well, actually, I take that back. Uh, but wait a second. There are other rules. One of yeah, my there's only no way you have one rule. Rules with boyfriends is that there can be no ass grabbing in public. Hmm. I think it's very uh, demeaning. He's ass grabbing. No, like hand in the pocket. That's like high school stuff. Well, I mean, I guess. In the pocket. I don't know. Guys are <laughs> gross sometimes when they like doing that. Like grabbing your butt or smacking your butt. I just always feel like that's a Just endearment. Really bad thing. Just trying to show their love, you no. know? Just trying to say. What's a good thing then? Hey, Kelly. Really? See, this is why we need put you your, here. We... Put your arm around a girl. Or hold her freaking hand. Or How about open the door? Her. Open the door. Put her jacket on. That's very sweet. Grab her ass. Grab her ass. Grab her ass. Casually. Yeah. Rush by. Pull a Ray Maluga and just. Humper. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Who? Whoa. Ray Maluga and Aaron Andrews. Come on. Yeah. Who's that? There's another Aaron Who's Andrews. Ray Maluga? Yeah. There's no better angle for sure Come on. than the one from behind. I know. Former SC football player. Bengals. For the Bengals. Yep. Crazy hair. Okay. Samoan. Okay. He, like, freaked on Aaron Andrews. Wasn't it? Was it at practice? Like Peeper's style? I don't know. No, not Peeper's style. Like, real... <laughs> It was, uh, was it the end of a game or something? Like yeah. she was interviewing somebody else yeah, and he and was right behind her? Yeah, and he came up and he was like... Oh, I re- yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, I've seen that that clip as like a meme or whatever they call it. Yes. Okay. A gif. A gif? I thought they call it memes or something. Memes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fine. A little video clip, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, that's not okay. Is Aaron Andrews that hot? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Settle that. Yeah. Can I get a female's opinion? No comment. What do you mean no comment? No, I don't think she's that hot. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's she's not hard on the eyes, but... I, I think she's pretty, but I mean, I don't know. Is she all that? I mean, I don't know. All that in a bag of chips, baby. I don't know. I don't. I, just from a look... Beyonce it, is hot. I have no comment on her work. I really... I, I don't catch her enough to comment nice. on I'm her I'm sure work. she'll respect that. I don't really have a comment on her work, just is she hot. Well, because well, that's, that's a lot a of... female reporter. But okay, but that's a lot of her... Female period, probably. Yeah. That's a lot of her attraction, though. Right? No? I mean, that's part well, of her rise. Like, the peephole thing was the business. best thing that happened to her. The peephole thing was like, it blew her up. She went from being 
just another amongst a group of female sideline reporters and, and semi-host uh, personalities to being this huge thing because somebody reversed the peephole in her room and stalked her. And all of a sudden, that didn't that kind of blow her up? Yeah, yeah well, probably. and if you look at so many of the famous people now, it's all from scandals. Right. Where's your sex tape? I'm working on it. <laughs> it's in editing. I mean, I'm just saying. It might be a little <laughs> a little odd if you know who my boyfriend is. <laughs> well, there's an attraction for everything. <laughs> there is. Yeah, true. <laughs> in the uh in the vein of, of women, you know, athletes and everything, we talked about Danica earlier, but also a big UFC fight. Yeah. Over the weekend. Yeah. The first women's UFC championship, right? Yeah, and I saw uh, some gnarly pictures from that thing. And what's her name? Dominated the Ronda way they expected her to. Yeah. She I'm I'm into her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. Because she could kick your ass? I don't mind a strong woman. I don't mind a challenge. It's okay with me. That's why he loves me. Is that girl hot? Is she hot? I don't know. I need to look at it. Yeah, she's good looking. Better than Aaron Andrews? I hadn't thought about it in that vein. Let me see. Let's get Aaron's picture here with 50 Cent. 50 Cent planting one on her cheek. I mean, Aaron, there's there's no denying Aaron is good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Is she a supermodel? No. Is she good at her job and good looking? Yeah. Is that a good combination? Absolutely. Do you think that the... It's a different kind of good looking if you're talking about a UFC fighter versus Aaron. Yeah, well, I'm going to... But girl, I, right? I I appreciate both. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah. I like her. She's buff. Yeah. She's a little She looks like an athlete. Because she's strong. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm down. She She not only looks awesome in the ring, but she can put on a dress and put her hair down and look beautiful. Absolutely. I think that's so awesome. Agreed. Okay. Well, as a female athlete, Kelly. Yes. Does something like the, you know, Danica as a driver and Ronda Rousey and the the other gal that she Drivers competed against and Danica. Does that is that exciting for you because there's an expansion of the female female athletic realm? In other words, a little girl doesn't have to be a soccer player or um, you know, even worse, a, a cheerleader and that's all the the girls you know, it can be if they're athletic. Mm-hmm. Volleyball, obviously, is a big one. Tennis, whatever the typical girls' sports are. Is it cool, you know, like I said, as a female who's involved with sports, that there's other avenues for those girls to go after now? Or yeah. is it just, eh, whatever, it's, you know, it's out there and it doesn't matter to you? I think it's cool because there's no cookie-cutter way for anyone. And if you're, you know, passionate about something that's not mainstream, like, being a Danica Patrick, then I think that's awesome. And the fact that my dad and I had this conversation yesterday, he loves Danica. I'm kind of whatever about her, my cute dad. He just is so impressed at the fact that she is so, such a hard ass almost. She doesn't put up with anything from these guys. She's a strong woman. She goes after something. She's good at what she does. Yes, she's beautiful. And of course that works to her advantage, but she really puts together the whole package to be able to, survive in that world i wouldn't be able to survive in that world i i don't know how to like be that person but the fact that she's been able to do that i think it's great and i think it brings equality for women in sports which is what we're always after um so i think i think it's cool if that's what she loves then yeah kelly wouldn't want anyone saying hi to her no no i wonder if danica would i'd say hi to danica she might kick you in the shins i'd be like this hi danica look straight down the only tiny the only thing i i don't like about it is you know, in situations where I know the guys will like beat each other up or kind of push each other around and she will 
kind of initiate those situations and the guys can't do anything back. I think that's the wrong way to use your power as a woman in a male situation. Hmm. Oh, like when she loses the pits and wants to fight? Yeah, like, come on. You know no one's going to be able to touch you. Backhand. I think if she hits someone, they should be able to hit her back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the rub, right? That's always been the rub. If you want to play like a boy... You're going to get treated like a boy. Exactly. And and you should. Yeah. But it doesn't usually work that way. Yeah. To your point. Right. So I don't know. I think it's good. I mean, looks come into it no matter what for both male and female, I, more so for females. But right. for males, too, their success is dictated by their looks mm-hmm. for actors, for sports performers, mm-hmm. to some extent, right? You can overpower your sport. Females have a unique opportunity, like Kornikova, who... Never once, great player, mm-hmm. never won stuff, but she capitalized on the sexy side of her, or the looks of herself, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've seen a male athlete do the same. We might have to think about it. If there's been a male athlete that has really capitalized on the the, the sexual attraction, well, I think you've but seen not things like without the performance. Oh, you know, the that's GQ, a pretty decent example. Wasn't it GQ that he did that spread? Yeah, with yeah. white pants. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think those are. There's a decent example, yeah. Sanchez, who's been. By professional standards, a success. Yeah. By the elite professional standards, not an elite success. Right. But has enjoyed some of the benefits that a lot of other elite athletes have taken along. Right. Right. Because you, you become a champion, then you get celebrated. Mm-hmm. And for for males, like Jimmy Johnson, he's a good-looking dude. He gets more commercials because he's a decent-looking guy than, say, Tony Stewart. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, He's it more really marketable. does come down to looks. Yeah, being marketable. But it's not the same degree, perhaps, as, no. as for a female? Right. Okay. But I think the Danica's standards more and powerful, expectations right? are... Yeah, she is more powerful. I think the females actually have a bigger upside to that potential combination. Because if you can put together excellence with looks, and you're a female, I think your upside is far greater than excellence and looks for a male. Right. Well, and you think about female athletes, and I guess this is a stigma. Well, you can't be a great athlete if you're hot, you know? Babe so, Zacharitis, not hot. Great athlete, not hot. Yeah, but if you if you think about it, there are a lot of these strong women, like the Danica Patricks, or, I mean, you could go through every sport and find someone that's Billie beautiful Jean and King. also very good. Great athlete, not hot. Yeah. Probably a lot of them, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could be here all day. All right. Yeah. We got to move on. We'll come back to this topic, I'm sure. I like having you here because we get a different perspective. We get to hear something that's I like it too. Not just me. We need a little estrogen in this joint. We do. It's true. So we're gonna get right back to the men though, because this is the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly, and the Net Live each week presents this segment to talk about what was and what will be in the world of college of volleyball. And we have a couple of guys who are tied in. Jay Hasek. And Mike Sondheimer, Sondheimer of UCLA, Hossack of Penn State. Gentlemen, welcome in. Let me give you the poll, and then I'll let you fly. UC Irvine stays number one, 14 votes for that. BYU remains at number two, two votes for first place. Then Long Beach State, who remains at three. Then a little bit of change. Stanford up. They are at four. Then Pepperdine, UCLA, Ohio State, Northridge, Penn State, Lewis, Hawaii. Cal Baptist still in the top 15. Southern Cal. Harvard, Harvard is number 14, and then Pacific. Gentlemen, take it where you will. I first just want to congratulate you, Kevin, on getting a picture with Charles Barkley. Was there any ass-grabbing going on in that photo afterwards? Uh. There was ample ass-to-grab, but there was no (laughs) ass-grab. As I mentioned, he did give me the front-back thumping as I was saying goodbye to him. 
Really? Wow, that's it. It would look better with Kelly Tennant. Hey, uh, real real quick here. Uh, (laughs) Congratulations to Gary Sato for getting the job in Japan. Uh, I unfortunately missed that interview, but uh, that's going to be one heck of a job for him, and I'm sure they're going to be excited to have him there. So uh, kudos to him. So bring it on. What do we got? Penn State won two matches. It's great. Let's talk about Penn State this week. (laughs) We can talk about that, or we can talk about UCLA thumping Pepperdine. UCLA had a big week. I mean, they hit uh, Steve O'Dell set a great system, and UCLA swept USC, and uh, believe it or not, beat Pepperdine three straight at Pepperdine, which doesn't happen very often. It is not easy to do. How easy is that to do, Kevin? To beat Pepperdine at three at straight Pepperdine in house, and sweep in the fire in Firestone yeah, Pavilion. Not even get twenty points in three sets. I was disappointed at that. I mean, it's tough too because on that one side, if you go to serve on the right, there's two can lights right above that spot, and that's probably the biggest advantage they have in that place. Being able to play out of the ceiling is another one. It's just a small, intimate venue, and uh, I was disappointed. I thought that that would be a better match than it turned out to be, UCLA versus Pepperdine. But it just seems to be more indicative of this season where you never know who's going to win week to week. And my question for you guys is, I know you're going to go through a lot of the matches here, the key matches from the week, though, is is Irvine starting to separate themselves a little bit? I think the next two weeks will tell. They've got BYU at home this week, and they play Long Beach State the week after. If they win those two, I think they're in the driver's seat to host the MPSF tournament. That's a a pretty good call. Um, You know, I'd also have to say IPFW uh, in the MEVA right now, they were down and came back to beat Loyola 3-2 in the new Loyola gym, and they were down 7-2 in the fifth. Um, and came back to win, and that's a that's a huge deal for Army. That's a huge Army. win, yeah. and and that that means that IPFW has the ability to at least be into the semis in the MEVA. Um, and you know, this week upcoming, we'll get to these matches soon. But some big matches coming up this weekend that can really you know create some separation wealth. But I agree, UC Irvine right now is 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 really hot and doing some nice things. And if they can handle BYU this weekend, they they've got to be in the driver's seat. Hey, and Long Beach State keeps playing great. Hey, Mike, if there's yes. one skill that a team can perhaps clean up or develop, and we're talking about the MPSF out here, if there's one thing that a team can start to do better and and that would help them separate themselves in the season of parity, what is it? Consistent serving by far. And in the men's game, if you can serve tough, and that's UCLA basically served Pepperdine off the court. I mean, Kuroga had six aces. If you can serve tough, you got a real shot at beating anybody if you can be consistent with it. Yeah. Everybody's so close at the net right now. I just say you've got to be able to serve tough. And the next skill would be you got to be able to pass nails because if you can pass nails on a team that serves tough so you can run your offense, it's just so tough. If you've got four options, as Jay would know as a coach, it's just so tough if the other team can pass nails, you don't know where the ball's going all the time. It's all about ball control, and it always has been all about ball control. And the, and the, the more you can control your opponent's, receive and the more that you can control your opponent's serve and and have at will i mean that's you're in the you're in the driver's seat every time if you if you're siding out at 70 percent in each row uh you should be successful pretty much all year long yeah and again like i was saying about consistency is that the serving is just all over the place across the country but if the teams when you look at the teams that pull upsets the teams that pull off wins and it's usually all of a sudden you look at the serving ratio and they had a really really good night you know, and again, I mean, like Stanford should have beaten BYU, but it's so tough to serve when you go up to that altitude. And BYU is just able to overcome them 15-13 in the fifth. Stanford played one heck of a match. Yeah, that was a good match to watch for sure. Jay, out there in the MEVA, you just mentioned IPFW and their comeback win, but I look at their loss 
to Ball or to Lewis, and Lewis thumps both their opponents here, IPFW and Ball State, three zero over the week. Lewis is one of those teams that uh, they're not very flashy. They're just good volleyball players. And I kind of liken them a little bit to Ohio State a couple years ago. They're not that team that's going to thump the big, ball, the big ball down. They're not going to, you know, raise the roof with gigantic, you know, blocks. But what they are going to do is they're going to make you play volleyball. And, you know, they, right now it seems that they're in the driver's seat. They're coming up this week against Ohio State. And that's going to be a battle of undefeated, undefeated teams so far in the Meeve. And that's going to be... I think that's going to be, uh, I don't want to say momentum swing or anything, but it's definitely going to show those teams who's got the upper hand when it comes down to crunch time later on the year because I think those two teams are going to see each other in the Amoeba Finals. Yeah, I think Lewis right now is better than they were last year. I don't think Ohio State is as good as they were last year, so it's really going to be on me to see. I want to see what Ohio State can really do with Lewis because Lewis is playing really well right now, and I think Lewis has got a lot of potential to be you know, a team real threat when they get to the, you know, they get to the NCAA semis. And I would have to say that Ohio State right now, if Lutz is on the floor, they're opposite and having a good night, they're going to be pretty pretty good to, pretty straight, you know, yeah. against anybody. But if Lutz is not having a good night or if he's not in the match, Ohio State all of a sudden becomes a little bit more average than most teams. And so you can shrink the court in half when you're blocking and start to do some things with the other guys. But if Lutz is on, he opens that court back up to 30 feet wide, and that becomes a real tough deal. Mike, do you think that there's increased pressure on a team like USC because they are currently 12th in the MPSF? They're going to be outside of the playoffs. How much pressure do you think they're feeling of, to have a run in the second half here to even be in contention to spend some time in the postseason? Honestly, I think there's pressure on every team in the MPSF to keep winning because at this particular point, the eighth team, you don't know if they're going to have seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. If USD starts playing better, but you're looking at UOP, they got issues. Hawaii's got issues. SC's got issues. Santa Barbara's got issues. And even the teams at the top, Pepperdine's up and down. UCLA's up and down. I mean, the big three have been Irvine, Long Beach, and Irvine, Long Beach, and basically, you know, then BYU. And BYU still hasn't proven themselves away from home consistently. Yeah, good call on the away from home part. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you a softball here. Your guy, Gonzalo Quiroga, he's out of Argentina. He's from a fantastic volleyball family. His uncle, an Olympian, his brother, captain of the Argentinian Olympic team just this past year. Uh, he has an array of different skills in the game. What or who, I guess who is, is a good question, who would you compare him to in the United States collegiate game is there a comparable player i think you know read pretty in his prime i think there's a lot of things they could do because both of them are a touch undersized they have to really rely on a variety of shots but when they get going then because reed could serve all different kinds of speeds and all different kinds of directions i have to say he reminds me a lot of taylor crab at long beach uh a little bit smaller undersized player really good serve receive skills uh but can play the game from a variety of different levels Knows when the block's in front of him what to do. Uh, can slap it around a little bit and get some caroms off the arms. But he's just, you know, Kiroga's one of those kids that you, you'd look at and you go, yeah, you know, he gets a nice ball and he has a nice serve and a snap. But when the game gets on the line, he seems to step up a couple notches. And, you know, he's, he's a really nice player for them, that's for sure. I would rather compare him to a multi-time Olympian than an all-conference player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you're not gonna, you're I'd not rather compare him to, to Kevin Barnett as Olympian. <laughs> I got some Eric Kevin Barnett and Jay Hasek. I mean, if I'm making comparisons, I mean, you know, I want to go with the big time person. Nice. There we go. No, I see. I wanted to know if there's a way that the United States can change what they're doing with junior players to produce more players like Gonzalo Quiroga in his overall understanding of the game, or is that slowly happening? 
It's happening. I think Doug Beal's got it right. You had him on a couple weeks ago. I think the junior programs are getting better. They're playing more international competition. The players are getting better. I mean, you look at more and more freshmen, I think, in the next coming years are going to be able to step in and play college volleyball right away. And there was a time when it took two years for a freshman, as Jay knows in developing, to really get to the college game. But if you get the right person now, they can step in and play right away. I'm, I'm... I'm going to say that the pendulum is swinging, that it's getting better. I'm just, I'm just not satisfied that it's swinging fast enough. I, I think you have to create more men's programs for kids to go to so that they can see it at a higher level across the board. I think you need, you need to have a pro league that allows kids to be able to see what the pros are doing and be able to imitate it when they go back into the gym. I think you need to have more men's matches on TV, which this year we are. I, I, I got to say that we are probably seeing twice as many matches this year online as we have the last three or four years combined. I mean, it's it's almost now uh, it's almost comical because now in the past we used to say, you know, what matches can we watch this weekend? Oh, we got one match that we can see online. Whereas now I can almost watch across the board unanimously whatever team I want to see because everybody's got live streaming. Everybody's got some kind of a you know a television host that can that can put the match up. That's awesome to see. And what's going to happen is. You're going to start to see these kids go back into the gyms and go, this is what uh, Taylor Sander did. And they're going to act like, you remember when you were a kid and you would pitch like Kent DeCovey or you'd pitch like Nolan Ryan and you'd show them how the, all the moves and the exact you know, fundamentals that they did. Well, now these kids are going to be able to go back and say, well, this is how Taylor Sander does it or this is how Taylor Crabb does it or this is how Lavaja does it. And, the, and these are things that, that you start to see kids start to mimic, and those are good things. So uh, I, I think it's happening. I'd like to see it a little bit faster, but I think it's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's getting better. I mean, there's better, like I said, there's better players in the U.S. I mean, you just have to look. The U.S. is competing better internationally with the younger teams, so they couldn't do for a while. And you know, while the girls really have it and the women really have it, I think the guys, you know, and you're right about not having enough programs in place to play, but there is more high school programs starting out and more things going on. I think the guys have the potential to get better. Yeah, I really nearly bit part of my tongue off imitating Michael Jordan back in the day, so that's, uh, that's not <laughs> but... Playing volleyball? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you don't want hey. to die for a ball with your tongue hanging out. Oh man! All right. So if if young players are looking for some exposure to a high level college game this weekend, what are they watching, Jay Hossig? What matches? I've got three on my docket that I'm going to be watching. Um, first of all, I'm not going to mention ours this weekend, other than the fact that they're playing your favorite team, the New Jersey Institute yeah. of Technology, the Highlanders. <laughs> It's going to be a battle royale in New Jersey, so that's going to be our match. Here's the three that I'm going to look at. I'm going to watch BYU-UCI. I want to see what BYU does uh, with Tilly. He's going to be uh, an absolute force to reel with. I want to see what Hawaii does against Northridge. Hawaii is in that position right now where they're either going to continue to do well and keep themselves in the conversation for the MPSF tournament, or is the game going to pass them by and are they going to kind of falter a little bit because they've had a little time off. I'm also going to watch Lewis and Ohio State. I want to see that battle up close um, and see who's going to walk away from that one feeling confident for the rest of the year. I'm not going to call anybody on those matches, but I'm just going to say all three are going to be ones that I'm going to be watching. Mike? I agree. I, th- I think that you, I, Lewis and Ohio State really interests me more than any other match just to see because the Midwest has been so up and all over the place. I want to see if Lewis is really clearly the best team or if Ohio State, Pete Hansen has really rebuilt without Sangre and really Bletz is good enough to put them over the top. And then I think you see what BYU is going to be able to do. When they came down here last week, they weren't nearly as strong coming down here um, as they could have been. 
and this week they'll know exactly what to do against Irvine. They beat them back at the first time, and whether they can beat them when it counts now, because then they have the tiebreakers and all the edges for the conference title. Let's also let's also talk about the fact. Speaking of Lewis, did you see the email from Vinny Lopes, Kevin, talking about men's volleyball attendance? Yeah, let's talk about that because we were just uh, talking about the ticket that said basketball on it rather than. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, the interesting attendance numbers, while not as big on the per-match basis, right, if I had read this correctly, the men are outdrawing the women in many universities. Uh, at the Division Two level, they absolutely are. At the Division One level, I think it's still obviously the women kind of rule the roost a little bit. But if I'm looking here, BYU obviously is still king. They're at 27.94 average per match. Hawaii's at 25.15. Pepperdine in third with almost 1,000, which I don't know if that's – that's a pretty big number for Pepperdine. I think they only hold about 1,500 in that gym, don't they? They yeah, get up close to 3,000 on a big match. <laughs> Back in the Kevin Barnett days, it's all yes. bleachers, you know. But, yeah, I mean, those numbers aren't very big. If I start thinking about women's matches and some of the bigger women's venues, I, I still don't think it really approaches the top level of what Division One women are doing. No, I mean, Division Two is playing Division One, so I think it's a big deal. And if your school is good, they're going to draw. But, no, it's, it's not close to women's. It, it's like here's here's the reason why. If you're Lewis University and your women's team is playing Uwe Pui in a match, who really knows anything about those two schools? But when Lewis plays Ohio State, how many people know the name Ohio State? And so they're going to come out and they're going to watch their team. That's the difference. In the women's game, Michigan's play the Ohio States, and UCLA's play yeah. the Stanford's and USC's. Yeah. And so it's easy for crowds to identify with those schools, and so they come out in droves because they want to watch a good match. So when the Division twos draw a name like Penn State, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, whatever the case is, people are going to come out a little bit more. And because they're in conferences where those teams are prevalent, now all of a sudden it starts to make a little bit of sense. Yeah, you have to capitalize on those big rivalries. That's a good point when you're talking about rivalries in the Big Ten or Pac-12. Absolutely. Yeah, and volleyball is great to come. Yeah. And Cal Baptist is, is number six in that list at 748. And I know their gym only holds about 1,200. And because they've got Long Beach States and Irvines and USC's and UCLA's coming in, that's why they're going to be up in numbers. That school you know, is, is, was a relative known name a few years ago. Now, all of a sudden, they're on the map. Well, gentlemen, thanks very much for uh, checking in once again. That match, BYU at Irvine, number one and number two, facing off Friday, March 1st. That's at UC Irvine. So if you want to go check it out, it's not far away if you're in the Southern California area. And also, make sure you watch Cal Bat versus UC San Diego, kind of the darling of the early season in UCSD and the darling of the middle season right now. Cal Baptist should be Definitely. another good Thanks, yeah. guys. Mike and Jake. Thanks, okay. guys. See ya. Volleyball Weekly. Hey, Jeremy, let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Casey Patterson on the other side. Boom!
Into the net live here on Volleyball Magazine. Hope you're getting us either live on demand on Volleyball Magazine or on iTunes, the Blog Talk Radio feed. We want to have you listen to our show all week long. We do it every Monday. Jeremy, I think next Monday's a problem, so we're going to talk about that. So stay tuned for uh, scheduling details because I'm not back. I got a Stanford match on Sunday night. Didn't think about that, so we may have to slide the net live. We'll see. Let's get our next guy going. It's a long opening. Just let it marinate a little bit. There it is. This is the original boom box. He started off his career at Newberry Park High School, went on to BYU, where he started every single position on the court, played professionally in Puerto Rico and around the world. Won his first tournament at Coney Island the 4th of July weekend just a few years back. And this past summer, won three different tournaments with Ryan Doherty. But he's got a new partner this year. We're going to find out who that is and where they're playing. Say boom, Casey Patterson. <laughs> what up, guys? What's up, Casey? Not much. What's going on? We're probably catching you just after training here, uh, Southern California. Yeah. Um, we we want an update on what the off season's looking like for you and Jake Gibb. Yeah, actually just wrapping up the lines right now in Huntington. Uh, perfect right now. You got actually got Summer Ross and Misty May practicing on the court next to us. So uh, got a lot of talent out there at the beach. Uh, off season's been pretty awesome for me actually. It's the first time I've had uh, a, a break to just focus on beach and get in the weight room and get real strong and. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I've gained 30 pounds, so I'm I'm uh, got some muscle 30? in the in the in the trunk right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So been hitting the weight room super hard with Jake. Uh, we've been practicing three days a week for about six weeks now. So uh, we're uh, we're ready to ball right now. Casey, let me just throw it out there right now. What are you guys training for? Are you training for a specific tour? Are you training yeah, we're training for the FIVB. We're going to do that full-time. And then anything that uh, is available in the States on the off weeks, we're going to be doing those. When you said you put on 30 pounds, is that weight room muscle weight, or is that oh, yeah. out Come on, play. family? And, no uh, way, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've spent more time in a weight room in the last four months than I have my entire life. So, uh, yeah, it's all good stuff, all good weight. Okay, outside of the weight room, what other different approaches has Jake Gibb brought to your game in the early part of this partnership? Yeah, I think uh, what's cool about Jake is uh, he surrounds himself with, you know, a team in every aspect of the sport, what it takes to be uh, like a true professional. You know, he's got we've got a trainer that's unbelievable. We've got, uh, you know, and this is all available to me because of him. So through the, the IOC, we have uh, Tim Pillow, who is our uh, – our trainer, and then we have Sean Dolan, a nutritionist, and we have uh, Tyler Hildebrand, our head coach, and we have uh, Rich Lamborn as our assistant, um, and we've got uh, Jake's uh, helped me line up some sponsors with supplements, and then, uh, you know, just as far as him being a professional and, you know, the entire aspect of 
the the thought is he's he's uh, surrounded himself by everything he needs to be successful, and that's what I've 100% learned from him in this off season. That you know it's easier to make little steps forward here and there with the right team around you. Rich Lamborn as an assistant. Watch out! <laughs> yeah, he's down in my passing because I switched to the left side with Jake, and so. Uh, it's a big, big difference. All the angles are different for me, and so he's been huge in helping me, you know, be very patient with figuring out my footing, my angles, and uh, dialing that all in. And it's been he's been huge for me. So we're we're loving it. We have a good little squad. Has he had you doing an hour long plank yet? <laughs> yes, I'm just holding the angle forever. <laughs> oh. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, this is Kelly Tennant. I just had a quick question. So we yes. look at the state of beach volleyball and a loss of money, loss of tours, really unsure in a lot of ways. And I look at a player like you, and I wonder, for you and for all of the other athletes that are still playing, how long do you continue to pursue a sport that a lot of people are really questioning? And why do you continue to pursue it? Yeah, I think you have to uh... – you have to kind of assess where you're at in your career. And if you're, you know, I luckily I was at the point where I was kind of finding my stride before the AVP uh, went bankrupt. And so I kind of felt like I could play at the, the highest level if I kept doing it. And so I, you know, my wife has been a huge part of that and letting me, you know, giving me the ability to pursue the dream. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it's, it's, it's such a passion for me that I wasn't let, I wasn't going to accept giving up and doing something different. So for me personally, it was just I was 100% willing to grind it out until, you know, making money again on the beach was something that was possible. And so I feel like for a lot of guys that might not have been the situation and it was a little bit harder. And, uh, you know, getting a full-time job and supporting their family in other ways was, you know, the route to take. But for me, you know, as a family, we decided that we were going to keep following the dream. And so, you know, I think it's uh, – it was a lot easier because my wife is so supportive. If not, it would have been real tough. Yeah, I look at a lot of these younger players, and now with stand volleyball as an NC2A sport on the women's side, what do you say to younger players that want to get into beach volleyball when it's really sort of diminishing in a lot of ways, but we want it to be relevant? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I've got a lot of guys down here training with us that are like, man, I want to, you know, we have Tony Sorelli down here who is an amazing indoor player, and uh we have, uh, I forget his last name, but Colin from UCSB. <clears throat> He's been down here a lot with us, and both these guys are just loving. Like, man, I just want to play beach. I just want to uh, <clears throat> I just want to do it full time. And I said, you know, with the way it is now, you have to go play indoor and make ball, you know, beach kind of a secondary plan until the tours come around, until there's more money involved, until it's kind of made a comeback. It's, it's tough to do it full time unless you're in a position where, you know, you're a top four team in the for the U.S. being able to play on the world tour. Because besides that, it's just a, a fun hobby right now. What are your team and, and personal goals this season and then looking forward to you know, maybe a few years in the future as well? Yeah, I think for me this is a huge step. Uh, I'm able to play with someone who is like Jake, who's, you know, a proven warrior and has been able to do it for a long time and he's played in two olympics and i'm learning a lot from him and so my goal is for the olympics of course in rio um got a good a good foundation starting off this off season until you know the olympics start to to really grind it out and go for it and i've got a guy that's playing with me that absolutely you know 
can do it again. The way he's playing, there's no question in my mind that he's got, you know, another three, four years in him to play at a high level. So the goal is the Olympics. The goal is to, you know, get as good as I can as a, a newer defender. I think this is probably the start of my third real full season of being a defender, and I'm learning a lot. And so it's uh, definitely the goal is Rio. Casey, I know you said your goal was Rio with your former partner, Ryan Doherty, and when that broke up, you said it was kind of amiable, amicable. How how did that finish out? You know, sometimes you get a little bit of distance, things change. A yeah. bit. How have things kind of shaken out with Ryan moving over to play with Todd and your partnership with Jake? How are things between you and your former partner? Yeah, well, what's funny is that... Uh, you know, I told Ryan to go for it. I actually told him, like, hey, no hard feelings if you choose to go with Todd because that's an opportunity that anyone would love to take to learn from a guy that's won a gold medal that's been playing at the highest levels for so long. I told him, dude, you have to do that. And, you know, it's uh, it's an experience that he would regret for a long time if he didn't take it. So I told him to go for it. And uh, what's funny is we're all – Actually, he was one of the guys that also listened at ASC with us. And so it would be me, Jake, and Ryan all warming up together and lifting together in the same weight room. And so we were all forced to just be buddies. And and uh, there was really no bad blood anyways. But, you know, it's more of now it's just Jake and I kind of talking crap to him while we're lifting. Like, oh, that's all you're going to put up, you know, and kind of giving him a hard time and him doing the same thing for us. And so we're all uh, – we've all got good spirits about it and we're all buds. And, you know, Jake and I have – become very good friends and uh with him having Crosby and me having Jake and Cat or sorry uh Cash and Guy uh we're both in the same you know same part of life right now where we got family and kids and we're out here grinding to to do this full time and so it's real easy for us to to get along and to have everything in common with kids and you know focusing on on winning as much as possible so it's actually been a perfect scenario for me I didn't I didn't lose anything by Ryan going with Todd. I gained for sure, so I'm I'm excited. I was hoping more for an answer like uh, Jake telling telling Ryan in the the weight room, he's mine now. Get away from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do we do go after it a little bit in the weight room and kind of tease back and forth, you know. And uh, it's it's been fun. It's been kind of like that, you know. Jake, we get real competitive and joke back and forth, so it's been a real fun off season. <laughs> You don't know how to support him. Your Casey went away. Casey is mine. Yeah, exactly. You can't transition set like I can. <laughs> so, yeah. That's volleyball humor right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a little banter back and forth like that. It's been pretty good. <laughs> Casey, you mentioned the team of people that Jake has and, and some of the support that's available how do you see the landscape changing? We had Dave Williams on here. We've talked about the national team model, and you mentioned that you're down there in Anaheim training in the weight room. It seems to be creeping more towards that national team model, and how does that work for you as an athlete who now is going to have an opportunity to kind of see both sides uh, of both the yeah, private yeah. and then the, the more national team-focused effort on the beach? Yeah, yeah I uh, the national team side of it and focus has been, you know, I've been able to see that just you know recently and it's been awesome because there's a lot more of a support system the athletes have more we have, uh you know more access to things that we need to to dial in what we need to do our nutrition our weight training our you know everything and it's been awesome at the same time there's also some things uh you know that are kind of weird because 
you know, there's all these new rules and the Fed, the USA is trying to figure out how to, you know, send certain teams where and decide who gets to go where. And luckily I've been on the good side so far with uh, them choosing Jake and I to go to the world cup if it ever happens, uh, you know, and so, so far I've seen all good things as far as the, the national team aspect and it kind of converting over to that. It's been all positive. Um, but yeah, so I've, I mean, I've seen both sides and so far the, the way that it's supporting all the athletes and helping them with access to things that we need, it's actually been really good as far as the, the national team kind of idea of the beach side. Casey, we've talked here uh, the last couple of weeks about the different domestic beach volleyball tours and now the FIVB as well with the the money that they're kind of taking as a subsidy or whatever. But you've had experience on all the different tours. What are some of the you know pluses and minuses about the ways that the different tours operate, the um, actual tournament direction, whether it's you know something as simple as the ball or to the way that the you know, the protocol that the refs keep you, what are some of the differences and, and positives and negatives that you've experienced out there? Yeah, I'd say it's the biggest thing is uh, the ball, uh, at least for me so far. Playing with this Mikasa that's literally like someone took it off a, a tether pole and, the, you know, the tether ball that you'd play at the, you know, middle school. That's what it feels like. It's awful. It's probably the worst ball ever, but I've just embraced it. I've, you know, cuddled with it at night and tried it's to make like... it my best friend. <laughs> that's the <laughs> had to really embrace the new Mikasa ball because it's it's uh, it's really hard to play with. Uh, it's the first as ugliest girlfriend I've ever had, but I've embraced her. I've yeah. embraced it. <laughs> I've just forced it to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's It's been awful. But uh, I've actually, you know, that's where Rich came in and helped me a ton because this ball moves a ton like an indoor ball and it floats a lot more and, and uh, it's been huge. But that's been the biggest changed so far and then as far as the tours go the FIVB is just an you know it's just an empire the guys run it like a corporate uh you know facility the place is just like a machine and so it's it takes a little bit of the fun out of the game because you're having to rush so much in between points you don't get to show your your personality and style and uh you know so it kind of eliminates that which I I don't like as much. I like to have a little time in between, talk some trash and scream and yell and get fired up and make it more of an entertainment style of play for the crowd. And, you know, and that's what the U.S. provides is that we have the ability to, you know, use balls that are actually good for beach. We get to uh, get crazy and show our personalities, and that's huge. And that, I mean, it's so entertaining. And I think the FIVB lacks that because they're forcing it to be. When you can talk to the ref, a play happens, and they just stare, they just point at you to go back to where you're supposed to be in serve, receive, or serve, or whatever. You don't have any time to, to do anything. And so it's, it's just kind of take it or leave it, you know. What are you and Jake planning on as far as the domestic tour goes? What are you expecting to play in? Six events, eight events? What do you think is the possible yeah, our result? Our goal, yeah, our goal is to do just what, I mean, as far as schedules that are out, there's not a ton. And the ones that are, uh, I actually haven't, like, put the schedule together and taken a look at what's available if we're not at the FIVB tournaments. But we're going to try to play, you know, as many, I would say probably we'd get in, you know, four to six probably here in the States that don't conflict with FIVB because we're going to try to go to as many as we can overseas on the world tour. So, uh 
Yeah, I would I would range around four to six that we'll probably be able to play in. Case before we let you go, we had a question come in uh, via Facebook. Uh, I think the okay. guy is Gary Sato, and he said, uh, <laughs> "How's your guitar cutty doing?" <laughs> I've got it all dialed in, Gary. I need to, let me know if you need to bring it to Japan and show the guys how to use it. <laughs> Excellent. That's awesome. Uh, Casey Patterson will start the relationship with Jake Gibb, at least out in front of the public. It's already begun in private sometime this summer for the <laughs> BB Tour, and hopefully you get a chance to see him domestically somewhere, and we'll look forward to talking to him again here on the Net Live. Casey, we always appreciate the time you spend with us here on the show. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I love the show. Go Cougars. Right. <laughs> thanks, dude. All right, Casey Patterson checking in from Huntington Beach, practicing next to Summer Ross, college dropout, and Misty May, yeah, three-time don't gold medalist. forget that part. College the Misty out. May side of that. By the yeah, way. no, that's going to be interesting. Summer, it's a great opportunity for summer. I still wouldn't have left school. Cypress Hill. Love this song. I still wouldn't have left school. I would. I would have told Misty, "I'll keep training. I'll be there in May. It'll all work out." But I don't know. You get a chance to play with a, a three-time gold medal. It doesn't happen too often. Well, the latest cover of Volleyball Magazine has, uh, I believe, it's Sarah Day. You don't know Kevin because you don't get the magazine anymore. Um, she's going straight to the beach as well. Sarah Day? I think that's right. Hold on. BJ Evans will help me out. Okay. Yeah, I, I just don't know what you're going straight to. <laughs> well, she is... You're going straight to a very unusual environment. She's got the USAV backing. She's part of that program. So okay. Some of that. Okay. I mean, I could see that, but will you not also be good with a college education later? I mean, I, I went to college three years. Summer Ross dropped out of college? I thought she was done. No, she wasn't done. No, she's no. like, oh, I'm going to go play beach right now. Yeah. yeah. I went to four years of college. I think just for the social aspect of things, you're missing Sarah out Hughes. on Sarah Hughes. I apologize. Sarah Hughes. Sarah Hughes. Okay. Sarah Hughes. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I know Emily Day. Sorry. Sorry. No. Um, but I think you're missing out on the social aspect and the and the development as a person that you get in college. And and unless you're stepping out into a situation where you're going to make millions of dollars, i.e. the, the NBA uh, or the NFL, I just don't see it right now. Or if you're going to leave and play on the indoor side, you're going to guaranteed a whole bunch of money. You're not guaranteed a whole bunch of money here. You're just you're taking a chance. Now, if you get to play with Misty May, okay, I'd look at that. So I'm not entirely against summer, but I'd look at that. But if you're just doing it to go to the national team, uh, that's a tougher choice. And I totally lied about. Uh, so you're way off. Way off. Yeah. She's playing college sand. I apologize. I know. Sorry, everybody. So the discussion is completely moot. It really is. However, I mean, speaking totally of my fault. Speaking well, of college Alex, sand, Alex Jupiter, who went to the beach, we've never heard from her since. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, everybody. Speaking of college sand, though, I've been uh, got a mic. Who gave you a mic. Oh, know. by the way, Gary also cleaned it up. Dunphy was eighty-four two eighty-eight. See, you messed Whole up time. too. Whole time. There's some Neville time in there somewhere. Maybe it's eighty-eight to ninety. I don't know. Mm. I've been trying to follow up on women's sand because I know we've mentioned that the NC2A has actually put it against the men's. Oh yeah, Final Four or something. The scheduling is. You were telling me that. Is that true? I have not looked that up. In the that might be a volley talk thing. Yeah, there's some question in the scheduling, but I'm just surprised that with all the growth in this women's sand volleyball game, that the season hasn't started yet. I mean, it's almost March. Yeah, it's a spring. It's a spring. spring sport. Sport. So is indoor men's volleyball. So is baseball. I mean, all these things are well underway. Why don't you play sand like they play baseball? Play it late in uh, in the spring, over into the summer. Um, I don't know. Good scheduling plan there. I don't know. 
So it's upcoming, I'll tell you that much. I don't think it starts till for a couple of weeks, but that's not a very long season for this, you know, this up-and-coming sport. Well, they're going to host it in Gulf Shores, where they did last year. Great place to host it. They're going to do it through 2015. So that's kind of cool that they're going to have one spot. I don't think that's a bad idea to have a destination spot. Well, there's a new USC Sand Stadium, too, now. And, yeah, they are happening May 3rd through the 5th. Right on Fig, across yeah. from Galen. And it will be taped by CBS Sports Network. I did that one last year. Hopefully, we'll get to it again this year. I'm available for awesomeness. I will yeah. have to only for awesomeness. I will have to outcompete you. And of course, uh, defending, outsource awesomeness. Defending champion Summer Ross uh, with Caitlin Rasich. Summer Ross no longer there. Not there. Yeah. So new champion to be crowned this year, uh, first week of May. Jeremy, you have anything first. to share? I mean, you've what been sitting over Misty there. came back. Will play internationally with Summer Ross. I would guess that's the plan. Where else are you going to play? I if you're training right now, you better be training to play FIVB. I do that's not where know. You gotta go. Well, I do not know Misty. I will not claim to. And uh, you know, people like Geeter and you, even you, Jr. know her better than a lot of us. But everything that I've read and heard is that she is really retired. That she was like, I'm done after this Olympic match. It wasn't. Vacillating back. We were hearing the same thing. It wasn't like. Well, she was saying that too. Right. So just because she's training with Summer, I don't think that means she's back or. I agree with that. She could just be coaching or whatever. I I agree with that 100%. I mean, down here in in Hermosa, Manhattan, whatever, you see some of the the women who have retired still playing. You know, you see Holly and um, Lisa and Leanne and some of these girls out there still competing at a high level and they're playing, but that doesn't mean they're coming back. So For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I listen. So let's temper, check the rumor mill. Yeah, let's, let's temper our rumors a little bit. Or start and whatever. If you want to play beach, Missy's not going to be a bad person to teach you how to do that. Just saying. True. Just throw that out there. Maybe she's a coach. Maybe she goes for, to coaching. I mean, just throwing it out there. What, she's, Kevin? What are you signing she's about? She's de facto a coach right now. Yep. Yeah. It's like a Todd and Phil situation. Yeah. Or a Todd and uh, Avatar situation. Todd and Avatar. Austin Rester checked in on a topic from earlier. He said, professional at a sport means you don't need, in capitals, another job in the offseason, 60K plus. Well, then by that I think that's a pretty decent definition. The NFL referees before this season were not professionals. Well, that's true. That's and they, and they, they made a point of saying that. They're, not, they're the only league without professional referees. No, I, I think that's a pretty basic part right there, especially being here, 60K plus as an individual. And you don't have to get another job in the offseason. You are training, much the way Casey talked about. Yeah. You're training in the offseason for your season. You're not working at a grill. Well, that's why all of us, except for Dustin, have other jobs, because this isn't a professional show. This is not a professional show. That is absolutely clear week in and week out. I have another job. I do the internet broadcast for the USC men's volleyball. True that. You do, and you do a great job. Please follow me and uh, listen and... Watch and it's actually fun. You do a good job. It's very fun. It's a lot more fun than this. Just kidding. Because <laughs> you can give better intros. Lo- yeah, I can do a lot better intros. Look, here's the thing that other people need to realize too is that all these NFL, baseball, basketball guys, their salary, a lot of it's coming from sponsorships. Yes. Now, granted, they're also selling tickets to games, so they're getting TV rights and, and merch, all, TV rights, and all that stuff too, for sure. Which, again, volleyball does not have. No, the TV rights drives a lot of that revenue, but also the merch and the food and the concessions and the fact that drinks 
are $24 each at Cowboys Stadium. Yeah, if you oh, look, of course. If you look, actually, I remember this project we did in uh, high school econ. If you look at the income that is generated by like NBA teams, it's pretty much the definition of exploitation, the amount that they're being paid because the oh, for sure. because of how much more is made through licensing and that sort of thing. Yes. And you can't compare, you know, when they're talking volleyball about, to that. No, you can't. When they're talking about these players that are complaining like, oh, I'm only getting $10 million this year. It's relative. Well, Charles Sprewell has got to feed his family. If the people who are making billions of dollars off of you and they're giving you, let's say, 1% of what they're making, do you know what I'm saying? Like that math, like whatever those numbers work out to be, whether it's $10 or $10 million, you're still being, you know, you don't want to be exploited. Yeah, sure. that was the whole thing with the NBA yeah. this season. And, right? I, and I get it. I, t- I totally get that. Well, and, and that's where the, the smithing came in, right, of the numbers by the owners. Saying, oh, oh uh, well, we're not making money. We're losing money. money. We're losing. Ha, ha, ha. Uh-huh. Please. Uh-huh. Just from TV, you're making money. No, if they, nobody came to your games, you're still making money. If nobody showed up to the arena, you're still making money. Yeah. I'm not making money because then they don't have to hire me because there's no fans. <laughs> right. So the, the trickle-down effect. I just want... You know what I want? The next thing you're going to post, Kevin, on the Facebook page, and please don't do it at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night when nobody's on Facebook. Um, <laughs> post. I want to hear people like what their suggestions would be for the sport. I'm tired of people complaining about it and not giving me suggestions on how to better the sport. We're and not, I, and not, I, yeah, not ideas like, oh, well, you need TV. Of course we need TV. How do you go about doing that? Right. The how. Yeah, tell me not how. the what. Yeah, yeah. Tell me the how. What I want do you to mean? hear the how. Give me an example. So, okay. Because I, mean, I would say you get a contract. That's obviously that's not an answer. Correct, it's not an answer. So how what, like how could Dustin improve his finances? Get a job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's not a good answer. Right. Exactly. Right. I need ideas, and so do other people, obviously, because we talk about it on the show. The give me an example. You mean are you, are you talking about like why would TV? What are we going to do for TV for them to want to show us? And just because girls are in bikinis. Isn't an answer. It's a good start. Is that an example, though? <laughs> it is an example, but it's not okay. a good answer because we obviously have had that forever, and if it worked, we'd still be on TV. The right so girls. In what's the hook? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I want ideas, people. If you like this, I like the sport. That's why I come to this show every week. Not because I like Kevin. Beach has caught up is caught up in the ROI questions that a lot of companies have about the money they're putting into sports. Yeah. And you have to really be able to show a return on investment. And you didn't have to 15 years ago. Correct. People were in to be in because that was the end thing to do and there's the end place to be. They're not just free with the dollars like that anymore. Nobody is. No. It's not just our sports. It's not unique to volleyball. And I don't think it's a recession thing. I think it's a new normal. Because after recession, after all the people that got laid off, these companies realized that they didn't have to spend all the money to make money. So they're not spending as much money anymore. Right. And now they're back to making almost the same money. Exactly. Without all Which means people. they're making more because they're not paying as many people. Right. Yep. And now by the Republican way of thinking, that's a good idea because <laughs> then that person will go out and create jobs. They're a job creator. Uh-huh. Then they're going to sit they're, on a bigger pile of money. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. You're just going to sit on a bigger pile of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know some folks with some cash, and believe me, if you tax them 2% or 4%, that 2% to them... That isn't the difference between them buying a Porsche or buying a new home or going out to a couple more dinners. That All that 2% is is the number that they look at in the morning when they check their account. That's it. That, yep. it's, there is no effect to them yep. in their lifestyle or their choices. Zero effect. 
two percent, four percent. It's just ridiculous. Look, if beach volleyball is going to succeed in the United States, it needs new, innovative ideas to cope with the modern landscape, yeah. which is an, at this point an ever accelerating pace of change landscape. Right, one hundred percent. I mean, it, it, the world is changing quicker than than ever before. If you're a student in today's world, there is more information than ever before to know. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about the spell correct and the issues you have with that. It, yeah, it's I deteriorating can't spell. my spelling. Yeah, I can't spell anymore. But it frees me up to do other things, right? True. I'm not just going to sit on my brain power. I have other things to put in there that, that I don't need to have spelling. And the question becomes, like, we're in high school, right? You would spend all this time on the birth of the nation and the American Revolution and the Civil War and World War One, and World War II. Remember, I was so stoked when we got to World War II because we were getting close to reality. Then we get to <laughs> Vietnam. We were getting even closer to like now. And that was the last week. They, they gloss over Vietnam, right? Yeah. What do you do now? There's 30 years of history, thirty almost 40 years of history since Vietnam. What do you do now? They're How still, do you... They're still teaching the same stuff that you learned. And then they're just dropping off the last 40 years. Pretty much. Like... But that's the that's where the world is at right now. The world is accelerating at such a pace that you don't need to know some stuff. And some companies still value some things. Spelling yeah. is not one of the things you need to drop. Correct. This is sort of a broader Cursive. argument. Cursive, maybe. Yeah, there are some things that are being dropped off that should be dropped off because you only have a certain capacity. Yeah. And there's just so much information in the world. And, and knowing everything about everything just isn't possible anymore. If you look back in Nikolai Tesla's era... You could know a lot about all the cutting edge uh, science that was going on in the world. There's no way you can know that now. There's just too much happening. Nine seven two. Ring any bells? No. Frank caller. Or should we just find out? But we could hope. Is it Dustin calling in from the outside? <laughs> Dustin trying to get a job here twice during the program. Let's find out who the caller is. I don't know. Maybe he's just listening. He or she. Hey, hey guys. Vinny Lips here from off the block. <laughs> yeah, Vinny. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Good. We love more men's volleyball information. Yes. Well, you know, I thought, since you guys were talking about the um, college sand situation, I thought I'd just call and um, bring up something. I think I um, even mentioned this one or two weeks ago. You know, you look at the college um, volleyball sand situation, they're going to be playing it basically the exact same time that the men's volleyball Final Four is happening in completely separate locations. And, you know, I'm by no means, you know, a beach volleyball guy. I've learned everything about beach volleyball through listening to your show. So I just want to get your thoughts. You know, what would be the realistic possibilities of looking down the line of pairing up the men's volleyball Final Four with the San National Collegiate Championship? So basically you would have this three-day volleyball extravaganza where you would have your sand going on in the afternoon and morning, and then you would have your men's indoor matches going on at night. And you could set it up to where the venue would have both sand and and indoor in the same location. So, for instance, I think a great example of this could have been in 2014, where you have, you know, for instance, Loyola, which is located right on the shore of Lake Michigan, where you could play, you know, your, those sand games right there on the beach, and then you got the Loyola gym to host the men. So I'll get off the phone and just, you know, let you guys some if you guys want to comment on that, because I really think moving forward, that'd be a great way to grow both sports and have one giant weekend of volleyball. Okay, cool. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, first of all, you have to call it an extravaganza. <laughs> put a big banner out front. Yeah. Extravaganza. Volleyball extravaganza. No, don't even identify what it is. Just put a huge banner, extravaganza, and make people come in. Nice. Uh, you could have done it this year at UCLA. 
Yep. There is a history of doing beach volleyball at UCLA on the tennis courts, right? Yep. Bringing in sand. Yep. Uh, you could do it next year, although the weather becomes an issue. Would you have to schedule things at a different time so all the fans aren't watching one as opposed to the other? Yeah, and, and really, even with Loyola being where it is, if you schedule those two events in a place like Chicago, they're not really together. If you're playing at North Beach yeah, true that. and you're playing at Loyola, they're not really together. The situation of this year where you have UCLA, you'd have Pauley Pavilion, and you'd have the tennis courts, that would be together. Yep. That I could see being uh, good for both entities. That I could see being somebody's going to come and spend the day. They're going to watch the beach championship during the day and watch the men's championship at night. They're going to have some food in between. That'd be cool. That would be very cool. Uh, that I could see being a positive. So I, I like the idea, but trying to make it happen sponsor-wise, travel-wise, team-wise, getting the genders to it's just a, a huge cluster. But I think that's just a matter of them going, okay, we're going to do it, and you'll figure it out. I'll tell you what, I, I don't think there's a perception on the women's side of the game that they need the men at all. I don't. I don't. No, I, 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 they don't. You're right. They, they don't. No, I mean, uh, they just don't need need the men. The men are a throw in. You're benefiting them more than they're benefiting you, and that's even for a new sport. <laughs> I, at least that's my perception. Gotcha. Of of the support levels of the different programs. But I love the idea. I think. I mean, I do. I like the idea. A lot. It's not going to hurt. How about that? It would yeah. hurt the sport. And maybe they'd look at it for 16. You ha- but the, the other problem is, is anywhere there are beaches, men's volleyball is not very strong. External to our area here, and you'd have to hold everything here each year. Uh, and that's not. This isn't really the stronghold for women's sand or indoor, because there really isn't a, tr- a a true stronghold, right? Because the the Big Ten is very good, the Pac-12 is very good. And you have a series of very good teams external to those conferences, whether you're talking about a Texas uh, or some of the other ones going through the Southeast. That We have Brandon Rosenthal in here talking about the SEC all the time yeah. during the women's season for College Volleyball Weekly. The SEC is increasingly strong. And, somebody, I, and I think Beach is increasingly strong in the Southeast area. Yeah. Somebody brought up on the Facebook page that the AVP, we tried to attach ourselves to a junior tournament one year, and I think this was the – Sacramento tournament where it was 900 degrees on the blacktop. Yeah. We were right next to the big convention center where they had the indoor girls, or it could have been boys too. I think it was girls tournament. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, great idea. I just don't think they knew we were outside. And also at that tournament, those girls were there all day long and our matches were going on during the day as well. Even though we had some nighttime stuff, I believe there. You play volleyball for eight straight hours, you're not going to go outside and sit in uh, steel bleachers and watch volleyball as well, even if it's pro. That's a good point, and, and how many people would watch both? Correct. Because you're dealing with parents and friends for both these sports, and by and large the audience, right? Not the casual fan. Also, something else to think about that you brought up, too, I believe it was a girls' indoor tournament, how much sports they like to sit around and watch. Huh. You know, you brought that up before as well. True. True. And, and that's when you're getting into juniors. You're not going to draw out of girls' juniors. Uh, you'll draw a little bit out of boys' juniors. But even then, you don't draw as well as you should, yeah. I think, uh, if you're really getting it done in your sport. Uh, I just remember that being one of the hottest events I ever worked was that Sacramento event. Oh, man. I it can't imagine. It was brutal. Yeah, Chicago, even first week of May, sketchy. Could be really nice. Could be really nasty. Uh, and if you're going to hold that, that college tournament and you're beholden to the weather, kind of tough to schedule Chicago in early May. Well, you could schedule it in late June, early July. You'd probably do okay. Yeah. Well, anything outside, you're going to run that risk. That's for sure. 
Yeah, less so if you're down the Gulf Coast. Though. True that. Same thing if you schedule it here. If you schedule any time between, say, March 1 and October 31st, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. It just doesn't rain here. Well, Jeremy. Good show. I think we'll have more mics next week. I'm hoping so. Uh, We will work on a date. What do I have down here? March 4th. I may have already moved it. Let uh, Let me take a look here for our scheduling purposes. And give everyone an update on when we're going to be on air next, because I have an event uh, coming up. I will be at Stanford, watching Stanford at USC, and so our show will have to happen on the 5th. Okay. You here? Yep. Okay. So our show will happen next Tuesday, not next Monday. Primary host is unavailable. You will be doing the Stanford versus USC match on Sunday night, so check that one out on Pac-12 Network, if you get the Pac-12 Network. That should be should be interesting. What time? 7 p.m., I believe. Cool. Not sure. I'll find out later this week when they email me. <laughs> Check your local listings. Thanks to Gary Sato. Once again, congratulations to Gary Sato on getting the Japanese men's national team job. Can't wait to see the results there. Thank you to Kelly Tennant for sitting in. She's also gone. Thanks to Dustin Avall for sitting in. He's currently on a phone interview downstairs. And our College Volleyball Weekly guys, as well as Casey Patterson for, once again, spending some time with us. Boom. Boom, and not knocking us off air this year. Much appreciated, Case. We're going to get back to Coach's Corner next Tuesday, because if you don't email the people no. that I've emailed you about, I'm going to just mute you off the show. And I'll just no. Dustin and I. Co- Coach's Corner is back next week, and it will be fully scheduled. We're going to schedule it out. I have a little more scheduling to do for our show, too, because it works out well when we lay out guests in advance. So Coach's Corner will be back. Don't worry, ABCA. We'll have some people back in here to get, keep giving you some great information. I'm Kevin. He's Jeremy. This was The Net Live.